Hi, this is Michelle Fife, creator of Copra, and you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Isn't it odd that the people uh, we live with, it's a sixth sense, I think. They, they know when we're recording, whether it's human and or animal. They know when we're recording, and they do the weirdest, loudest thing whenever we start recording. Yeah. I don't get it. My wife's sliding giant doors open upstairs like like a meatpacking plant. And I'm like, what the, what are you doing? But whatever. Maybe she's packing meat. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Sam the Butcher stopped over. You're not, Alice. No, I'm not. <laughs> That's true. You're not Alice. No, she's not Alice. Yeah. So how are we doing? Yeah, I think, I think I'm fighting a cold. But other than that... Hmm. Um, and I'm a little listen. I I I'm I'm extremely. I mean, I'm I'm super careful. Mass doesn't come off while I'm outside, and it's it's one of those things where I really do think it's a cold because of the change in temperature. We had the windows open. Saturday, I was outside a lot without a jacket because of the whole thing with the 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 the, the sewage line and 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 all this other shit. But the um. So I really think it's a cold, even though I've heard from people who have tested positive for COVID that, oh, yeah, no, I had a runny nose. I was slightly congested, and it turns out I'm positive. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm very aware that anything could be somehow an illness related to COVID. So I'm very conscious of that. But I, I, I don't think... Um, it's that. So yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just. I, I think well, that's I'm that's the uh, the go to now, right? I mean, you fart the wrong way. Oh my god, I got right. COVID. You know, it's like you, so it's, it's like my ear hurts. You look up Google and it's like you have brain yep, cancer. Yep, I got the hiccups. What's going on? It's the COVID. Uh, hey everybody, it's eleven o'clock comics episode seven hundred and eight, and I'm Vince B. You are Vince B, and I am David A. Price. Jason. Yes. Is a wall today? Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, but he never misses though. But he's not here no. this episode. I mean, but, I hope we see him before the end of the year. Yeah, we hear from. Him, but yeah, so we we um we're not. It's just not you and I tonight. We um we 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 decided to uh, call a very close dear friend. Um, I thought who, I heard the pitter patter of little feet. Not that little, <laughs> but uh, it's. It's where I'm. I I try not to blame this person for heroes not happening because this was going to be his first year at heroes. Um, so I'm not saying he jinxed any of that, but he is somebody who he's a brunch buddy actually, because uh, we had brunch with him in Chicago last year in 2019. Uh, the man hosts is a co-host of a fund. Fantastic podcast that he'll tell you about. The man is very, very vocal online. He is fighting for your rights. He is fighting for other people's rights. He is a very vocal member of our Facebook group and our Slack group. And he is none other than Mr. Caleb Alexander McKenzie. 
No, that was good. Keep going. I like what you're saying about me. Wow. Yeah, that's <laughs> he likes you though. He really does. That's uh, true. Yeah. Feeling is is more than mutual. I mean, I was gonna I was gonna try to jump in there right after the roll call and just you know say hey I'm everyone's favorite Wall Street portfolio manager and art collector Jason Wood, but you know that was way better. Uh, everybody loves to tickle Jason's prostate. Leave him alone. Let him go. He's not here. <laughs> just you're you're gone. But it's uh, so Caleb is with us, and it's awesome. One thing I have to say about Caleb, you read too many damn comics. And that's yeah. coming from us. Yeah. Like, I look at your list and you put stuff up. I'm like, where the hell do you get the time to study for law school, read all these comics? You're married. Like, how do you do it? The van. It's Where do you find the time? Uh, You know, pulling rabbits out of hats and shit. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm one of those people that doesn't sleep a ton. Um, plus I don't watch a lot of, a lot of TV. And so you're, you're right. I do read a lot of stuff, but it helps when I, uh, the fact that I don't watch TV and, uh, my better half works at night. Uh, So I just kind of turn everything off when I need to kick back and relax. And I I read some funny books. Sweet. Um, Well, I got two of those. I don't watch a lot of TV and I don't sleep very much. So I should be reading more. Well, no, but I mean, you got to think about it though. You're, uh, I, I imagine your schedule is some somewhat in line with uh, or similar to the rest of the folks in your house. Yeah. Uh, so when they're home, you're home. And when, you know, there's things going on, you got stuff to do, life continues to happen. Yep. Uh, but with me, you know, after about five o'clock, it's, it's just me and the dogs. And um, I'm not, you know, they're, they're good conversationalists, but the, the books are better. It's true. And uh, if you want to read a whole lot of books, there's only one place to get them. And that's Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a teensy tiny fraction of what everybody else is paying. The list of specials, let's roll them out. From Ahoy, we got The Wrong Earth, day and, no, sorry, it's night and day, number mm. one. You could switch it if you want. You'll, they'll charge you the same. Depends on the earth. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> wouldn't that be neat if the, they have a follow-up miniseries called Day and Night? Just write the check to Dap and myself, and you know, right. here first. Yeah, uh, the creative team: Tom Payer, Jamal Eigel, and Juan Castro. If you've been paying attention, you know these are the the dudes that initiated this uh, Wrong Earth uh, series, and it's awesome. It's a three ninety nine book, but you can have it for two dollars and nineteen cents. That's forty five percent off. Another friend we can't seem to get rid of: uh, Zach Cruse has a book. And it's coming out from the University Press of Mississippi. It's called Mysterious Travelers, Steve Ditko and the Search for a New Liberal Identity. If you get this book from Discount Comic Book Service, that's dcbservice.com, you will get a free signed book plate from Zach Cruse. We don't even have a signed book plate from Zach Cruse. I'm sure he has them in his pocket. He's never given us one, but you can get one from dcbservice.com. It's a $30 book. You can have it for $21. That's 30% off. Now, you know you're not going to get that kind of a discount on a university press book. It's just not happening. But DCB Service loves you, and they say, hey, let's spread this Zach Cruz stuff around cheaply. And they do. Uh, last but certainly not least, we got Brandon Graham. Back at Image for a miniseries, drawing the dirty stuff and the sci-fi stuff. 
Um, it's called Rain Like Hammers, and it's number one of five. You can have this four ninety nine priced book, not for the the cost that's printed on the front and or back. Haven't seen it. It's probably a wraparound cover. You can have it for two dollars and forty nine cents if you do the math. Move the beans. That's fifty percent off. DCBService.com does not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books sauntered to your front door by a very attractive custodian of whatever shipping service they're using. I don't even know. But they are attractive, and they will leave you a mint along with your box. None of that's true. You sure that's a mint? I don't know what it is, but it makes me feel good after I eat it. Ooh. (laughs) Yeah. Sounds like you might be getting your boxes mixed up from Ono. Oh, yes. True. DCBService.com. Just go there. Boom. Yeah. Man, I could try a thousand times and not sound that awesome when I'm when I'm trying to do a pitch. Oh, you're crazy. It's it's I'm old and busted and mm. and set in my ways and I don't know any other way to do it. If you said, Hey, jazz it up, like make it fun, I'd be like, I got no I don't know how to do Yeah. Nah, smooth as silk, man. Smooth as mm, silk. Yeah. But thank you. Speaking of already on the episode, bro. Yeah, it's true. Quit quit trying. Speaking of (laughs) smooth as silk, uh, Caleb, you do the honors. What are you drinking for our newly reinstituted drink roll call? Oh, should we do that again? Uh, (laughs) I guess, as far as Jason's concerned, yes. Uh, No, I'm I'm just I'm just busting. Uh, So I, um, out of appreciation uh, of being here, I'm gonna you know just keep driving home. Um, I decided to get a little fancy tonight, so. I uh, whipped out and got up on top of the top shelf and brought down some Booker's uh, small batch bourbon, um, and I made up a little old-fashioned, uh, but I did it all fancy-like, uh, threw in some brown sugar, muddled it up a little bit, uh, tossed in a nice orange peel, used a nice sphere of ice, and even tossed in a little roll of cinnamon. So, wow, cinnamon you bar. are fancy. I mean, it's good. Is your <laughs> pinky out when you're drinking it? I mean, that's, that's not that's no, not, not a pinky. I get it. <laughs> I got to break some stereotypes. <laughs> what are you drinking, Vince? Uh, well, I'm kind of fancy as well. Not really. I'm I'm drinking uh, the last three bottles of the uh, homemade or home brewed Hetty Tupper. You say last, so did you already start, or you have all three lined up, and you figure you're going to go through all three before? Oh no, I I drink what I bring. To the microphone. If I bring 12, I'm drinking all 12. But I just, <laughs> these are the last three, so. Okay. And we, we will be brewing um, another two batches, okay. uh, another, another heady topper. And I don't know what we're doing for the, the second one, but we're doing it over the Christmas break. Just I to, mean, I. We, it's just another we, reason to get to get together, get drunk, and get stupid. That's all. And, and. We pretty much share a throughway because 84 leads from my house to yours. Mm-hmm. And we could just kind of meet on either side, meet in the median, and, and, and I can take some of those bottles off your hand. Sure. I'd be glad to bring them to you if I can go to the comic shop. I'm going to go all the way. I'm not going to meet in the middle. I want to see the comic shop. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, because yeah. you finally get these Superman issues. Okay. It's true. Uh, He's still I, doing that dollar or the the three for a dollar thing, or no? No, that was that that was that was for the anniversary sale. I'm hoping that you know 
I can convince them for another reason to to well, to break out that that two deal. words, my friend, Black Friday. That's true. Ooh. Okay. There you go. I'll ask them tomorrow. I'll ask them Wednesday. Um. This uh, this this fancy little recipe that uh, for an old fashioned that Caleb just just ran down. Um, he shared that with me the other day, and I decided that um, that's what I'm going to do. So this is uh, a little bit of dark brown sugar with a splash of water, a couple dashes of bitters, muddled all up before I add the bourbon and the big ass sphere of ice. And that is what that is what I'm enjoying. I, I added a little bit more bourbon than maybe what the the recipe requested, but um it's still crazy tasty. So when this is gone, I just I brought the bottle of bourbon up with me. So when this is gone, I'll just take that straight to the head. But same That is uh that is but nothing fancy. I mean it's it's not it, it's not Booker's, it's not Blanton's, it's not the the basil that, that that Tony always brings. It's just it's plain old um high west whiskey, American prairie bourbon, uh that I've had before. Actually I've had this with uh with the dubs, when Daniel White stopped by the old place we used to live at, uh, he and I put a decent dent in one of their bottles. Uh, it's 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 a good go-to, but yeah, that is um, that's what I decided to go with tonight. Sweet. And speaking of Tony Fleece, if you haven't listened to last episode, uh, please go back and and fix that mistake because Tony tells you all about his upcoming image book, Stray Dogs. Uh, it's been optioned for a movie or a series or something. Uh, so if you want to get it, make sure you order it because then you can put it away. And when it becomes a big hit later on the, down the line, like walking dead, you can turn your issues around for a lot of money, but it's a good comic. So just go buy it and read it and love it. But if you want to make some money, I, I'm not against that. So <laughs> go back, listen to the stray dogs with Tony and make sure you order the damn thing. Cause he's family. Speaking of uh, yeah. last episode, when I was talking about the recount and you were talking about Scout Comics' yeah, business yeah. model, um, Mr. David Byrne did, in fact, uh, kind of explain things on our Slack channel. Same and, as it ever was with that guy. And he... Yeah, nice. <laughs> Don't yeah, you love that? Come on. Even I see what you did there, said Matt Murdock. So you have... Um, basically, as he, he's explaining things that, um, they've, they, Vince's, I'm not going to say issues, but, but Vince's, Vince's concerns yeah, they're, they're have concerns, been expressed yeah. and, and they're valid, have been expressed by others, according to, to Mr. Byrne. And he, um, he said that, uh, so instead of having to pay twice for a chapter in a trade, they've reduced the price on the trade by that first issue amount. So even though you're getting the, the you're, you're getting that, you're reading that chapter twice, uh, you're only really paying for it once. Um, and, and the, uh, he also talked about the, the nonstop concept uh, is a combination of, of sales numbers, history and, um, and not being able to find subsequent issues after the first issue if the shop doesn't continue to, to carry, uh, to carry the title. So, uh, because they are 100% creator owned, 
uh, adding that additional number one to the sales channel for our creators, for his, his words, uh, also helps them realize a little more revenue from their title beyond just trade sales. So they're they're absolutely trying to they're 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 they from what I'm gathering they're they're straddling that line to make sure that the consumers get something worthwhile, get a bang for their buck, and also helping out uh, the creators bringing those stories to you. So I I, I appreciate the um the transparency but but the fact that uh that they're not trying to swindle anyone whether it's a creator working on a book or uh the 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 end user the reader getting um getting what they they want out of it but uh it, it was it was nice to see uh a question asked and pretty much answered he needs to find a new tailor his suits are far too large on him I'm really beating that dead horse, aren't I? Good Lord. Sorry. Uh, uh, but here's a little factoid. Uh, um, that very reason, the inability to find subsequent issues after the first in a miniseries, uh, was one of the primary reasons I strayed from the local comic shop way, way, mm. way back in the day. I loved the local guy, and I talk about him all the time, Comics on the Green. I try and solicit... Um, well, I did pre-COVID. Post-COVID, uh, it's a little rough, right? Uh, but uh, I think he's a wonderful guy. I just I like to go down every so often and just throw some money because uh, just to stay in business, right? I, I'm not keeping him in business, but I'm contributing to it. But way back in the day, that was the main reason I would order miniseries from other publishers than Marvel and DC. The chances of receiving the second and subsequent issues dwindles greatly uh, the farther you stray from the big two. So I get the scout um, methodology. I understand it. Uh, and, and now it makes more sense to me. Especially so did when... You have a, did you have a pull list with him? Or Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I was going to say. Yeah, I had, I had a fairly robust pull list. And, and he was he was awesome and he's just like um i said to him i can get this stuff for 30 percent off online can you meet right. that and he's like sure i can meet that i know what you buy you buy a lot of books so yeah i'll meet this is this is going back what it must be at least 10 15 years or whatever yeah because then i was a westfield subscriber i was a uh whatever and then i found um i was a heroes aren't hard to find that's before him uh, I, th I think it, it went Westfield, mm -hmm. Heroes Aren't Hard to Find, then I found him, um, and then the thing that broke us up was the the stupid deep discounts at uh, dcbservice.com. And he was cool with it. There's no hard feelings. I mean, I'm going to get 50% off. He can't meet that. He cannot do it. And I completely understand. But, I mean, long-winded way of saying I, I now the scout nonstop um, – what do you want to concept. call it? Concept. concept. Yeah, concept. Model. 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 I like model better. The, the nonstop model makes a whole lot more sense to me. Mm -hmm. So there you go. And, and, you know, shout out to the Slack for for contributing or, like, for, for allowing that to happen. And that's one of the cool things about, you know, if, if the folks need another reason um, to become patrons of, of you guys, 
uh, and, and join the Slack, it's because you get that kind of firsthand experience. Because I mean, you've got uh, you've got him, you've got a couple of other creators. Uh, I think Tony's on there. There's a ton of people that you can get uh, you know the word straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, um, for you know less than what we spend on a you know two or three comics a month. Yeah, yeah. But most of all, and I don't want to turn this into a commercial. Most of all, it's just family. Right. Uh, there are people there that have aired concerns far outside of the uh, comics arena, like personal things and family things and just floating ideas out there. And everybody just pitches in and we talk it out and we have a big, uh, you know, uh, it's a big family gathering every single day. It's awesome. So, uh, like, this is the last time you're going to hear about it this episode, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. If you are so inclined and you like to be part of a group, check it out. Because it's not going away. It's it's funny you you say it's the last time because I was going to let everyone know what the book of the month actually is. Oh, that's November. different. That's different. Okay, you could, you could do that though. Let me do it now. I think I know what it is. Yeah, go ahead. I think you do too, uh, especially since I kind of mentioned it today on the Slack. Um, November's book of the month included these titles: Animal Farm, Batwoman. Hydrology, Booster Gold, The Big Fall, Concrete Volume 1, Depths, The Cross-Eyed Mutt, Flaming Carrot Omnibus, Lennon, The New York Years, Miss Tree Volume 1, One Mean Mother, Space Battle Lunchtime Volume 1, Lights, Camera, Snaction, Stray Bullets, Sunshine and Roses Volume 1, Kretschmeyer, and Tumor, A Medical Noir. Um, the winner, and it was close for a while. Um, I, I, I wouldn't have minded either. There was one I was really leaning towards and I, I, I may have been pushing for that to some people. Um, but your winner and the book you will hear us talk about, if not when Jason returns, uh, before the end of this month, you will hear it very early. Uh, in December, just because of the way the days fall in the month this month. But your winner is Booster Gold, The Big Fall, the first volume of the two-volume hardcover set or collection, uh, collecting, I believe, issues 1 through 13 um, of the the mid-80s, 1986 uh, DC series written, created, penciled, by Dan Jurgens, Inc. by Mike DiCarlo. Yeah, I got no problem with the whole mess of Jurgens, but right. I got to be honest, uh-huh. I was not rooting for Booster. I know. I, well, was, I knew that. Actually, I knew that when the books were announced. Yeah, I I wouldn't have mind talking a little bit of Space Battle Lunchtime. You know, I I wouldn't have mind a little why bit. We of, bought them, so we could yeah, talk about them. a little stray bullets would have been great. Because we haven't really gone uh, balls and deep I, into no, we spray, stray I've, bullets. I've read virtually no stray bullets. Oh, it's so good. I've yeah. heard that. Um, and even concrete, I would have loved to yeah, have revisited. I'm working my way through that volume. I'm really liking it. Because I haven't, aside from a couple of stories maybe here and there from Dark Horse Presents and and maybe sprinkled throughout an anthology, i read very little, of uh, at least consistently of uh of paul's work on that title yeah you feel so bad well i'm gonna 
I'm going to sue for a recount because I really think Batwoman Hydrology won in a landslide. Oh yeah, that's that's so hard to let that one go because it's a classic work. I mean, it, oh, I th- I think it's flawless. Well, considering I know Jason's not here, uh, so he can definitely he may he may squash this when he returns. Um, you know that hardcover is still sitting behind me, thanks to Brian Newberry. So I mean, we can just because the holidays are coming up, things might be a little stressful with COVID. And people just making sure all their ducks in a row as we get through the rest of the year into 2021 when we, you know, things are going to be so much brighter and happier, hopefully, with the new president fully installed in next January. But um, if you want, we can just go ahead and not stress next month's poll and, and just say it's Batwoman. It's possible. Let's see. Okay. Okay. Let's see. We, I mean, we need the democratic process more than ever. So it's true. You can't true. just say this is what it's going to be. I'm throwing it out there because I'm not. I'm. I'm not opposed to the idea. Right. No, I'm not either. But I. I like to give a, other books fighting chances. Sure. Yeah. I am not going first because uh, I. I have a whole bunch of filth, and I can't. <laughs> I can't start the show off with filth. So uh, one of you okay. two has to go. Well, we should definitely start it on a. High note. Or so, started on a down note and then pick ourselves up. <laughs> I don't, I mean, because, no, I, 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 um. You got to just Caleb do it. I, we'll, 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 we'll talk about our book after he tells us about what he first wants to talk about. Okay. Uh-huh. Sounds good to me. Rolling out the red carpet. Yep. So, uh, well, there were, there were there was a few books I was waffling through trying to figure out what to talk about. And and I don't know that either one of you has has read this, but there is a there's a new series out uh, from Boom Studios. And the reason I was I wanted to talk about this book in particular is because I think it serves well as a a mirror, so to speak, uh, of what Vince is going to, you know, spoilers. Vince is going to talk about something here in a little bit um, that that is kind of. It's in the same vein, but it's almost the complete opposite um, tonally. Uh, lots of lots of similar threads, lots of lots of similar constructions. But the book is called Origins, and like I said, it's from uh, from Boom Studios. Came out a few weeks ago. Um, it's one of those things from Boom that the, as far as I can tell, um, it was created for a purpose, um, maybe not to be a comic. Uh, and and the reason I say that is because it is. It's created by a team of individuals, um, Arash Amel, Lee Krieger, Joseph Oxford, um, but none of them actually worked on the comic book. They're just it says that they created it. So it makes me think that this might have been made as a script for a, a series or it might have been done in a writer's room, something like that. But the book itself, the actual comic, was scripted by Clade McClough Chapman, um, art by Jacob Rebellica, uh, with colors by Patricio DePesci and letters by Jim Campbell. Um, so the, the book takes place in, in what would be, or what should be, uh, the remnants of the world as we know it, um, you know, specifically kind of New York city, um, at least as far as I can tell, but the, the entire landscape, the entire city has been kind of reclaimed by the wilderness. Um, and so you get these gorgeous kind of snapshots, these, uh, these images of what it it looks like when nature steps back in uh when when you know when the human hand is kind of removed from 
from all that is in our world. Uh, but but while you're getting these snapshots, you're you're getting some narration, and the narration is essentially, I mean, it, think of it like a kid getting read a bedtime story, right? Like so, there's this uh, semi maternal voice that's that's talking, and she's talking to this boy named David who who wants to hear the story of of kind of himself before he goes to bed. Um, and you know, it's it's bedtime, so she's all like, you know, look look, dude, you gotta you gotta go to sleep. It's bedtime. But but he's insistent, like he really wants to to hear this story before he goes uh, before he goes night night. Um, and so she starts telling him and she, she she starts off the story. She's basically telling this kid that, look, you were you were lost. You were gone for a long time and it took me forever to find you. Like and that makes it sound like she had to go on a quest like a kid, you know, gets lost in, in Wally World or something and you have to go find him. But the the images that you're seeing while she's she's going through and and she's saying that you know I searched for you everywhere um, I turned over every rock um, as she's this this character is walking through the city and and you see her and she's basically decked out for nuclear winter right like she she's in a you know just a fallout suit essentially um, and she's walking through the subway tunnels and you know you see this weird overgrowth of things that we've never uh, you know, these these plants that aren't uh, normal. She walks past subway cars and, you know, there's skeletons and it's just, you know, death and decay and destruction everywhere. Um, as she's telling, you know, and, and she's telling this kid the story of how, you know, she 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 went out of her way to find him. She had to find him um, because he was kind of the, the last open and, and eventually she found him again, um, and while she's saying, "Hey, I found him again," it, you see this this skeleton of a baby, right? Like like nestled in what would have been its mother's arms, just in the last vestiges of civilization, and it, it's just a baby. And she's scanning it with some some you know you can some type of technology that that she's wrestled up, and I mean you can kind of assume that she's getting the genetic code from this thing, right? Because that's that's how it works, uh, you know, at least this this future story. Um, and but there but there's something different about her and as as she's being told this story or she's telling the story to this kid um you know she's just like you know you were you were the little boy that i needed and you know when she says boy the kid goes are are you a girl and she hushes him you know she doesn't she's not going to answer that question um and she continues to go um and after she gets the scan she you know this lone figure kind of walks back into the to the city um and and you realize that that part of the story was a bookend um, and it jumps into uh, it, it was actually being, you know, it's being told in the past tense and it jumps into what would be modern times of the story. And they're in um, essentially a museum of uh, anthropology, uh, you know, a museum of natural history. Um, you got lots of dinosaur bones around. You got Cro-Magnon folks, uh, you know, or at least what they should look like. Um you you can see them and you know they're all decked out and she she's she goes about her work and what you see is essentially micro printing 3d printing of a child um and it brings this this kid into the world um and and some odd years later this kid is is grown uh, and, and you know they've managed to survive but they're they're still alone and he doesn't like he he realizes there's something about him um, that she's not telling him. And, you know, long story short of it is that 
the the world and the the plants in the world and the flora and the fauna have created a network um, as kind of a blowback against humanity. Um, and the network speaks to itself uh, and it lets everything know if anything's out of place um, and if anything needs to be dealt with it, it six nature on it. Um, and so they've had to go into to hiding. They, they've had to sneak around the surfaces and the, the crevices of this world without being seen. Um, and, and their plan is to unleash something and you don't know what that something is. I mean, you can, you can imagine uh, you can, you can try to forecast it, but but the book doesn't give you enough contextualization uh, about what what they're trying to do, other than they're trying to disrupt the network, um, and and kind of end this um, stranglehold that that nature and the network and and the the world has over over life. Um, but again, she's something different. Uh, she's not a human. You, you don't know what she is. You don't know if she's some type of android. You don't know if she's uh, some type of genetic mutation. You, you just don't know. Um, but she's a caretaker, if nothing else. And, and she is now at odds with the, the child because she wants to continue nurturing uh, baby boy. And, and he's ready to, to jump into action. He's tired of he's tired of the subterfuge. He's tired of hiding. Uh, if he's going to be whatever this world has set him up to be, um, you know, whatever he was created to be, he's ready to kick that off. Um, and and that's like I said, this is the first issue. Uh, it's a quiet book. Um, there's not a lot of action. The, the, the best way I can describe it um, by way of of comparison are some of the opening scenes of of a film like the quiet place, uh, you know, there, there is narration, there's dialogue, but, but the book itself is not trying to be loud. The book is really about isolation. It's really about the quietude that these folks have to live in. Um, and, and, you know, if you got to live in a quiet place, a museum is not a bad place to do it. Uh, as they kind of, they, they work towards a, a goal that, I don't know. Maybe it's inevitability. Maybe it's not. Uh, you know, who who can say if one person can reclaim the earth um, from from what's been taken over from the wasteland? Uh, but but that's really what it seems like the book is is about. Um, it's it's gorgeously drawn. Yeah, it's uh, beautiful. I yeah, I can't I can't say enough about it. Um, I, I want to. Part of me thinks it's probably digitally colored, but it, it's like it, it's something akin to what. So, uh, it, it's got the yeah. same fluidity as watercolor, but it's not watercolor. I, I don't know how you would really put into words because it, it, it has the same blending that you would see, but it, it's not quite uh, it's not quite there. Um, I, I thought it was a great story. Uh, there were some pacing hiccups, so to speak, uh, and you get that from Boom. Uh, you, you get that from some of the smaller publishers. And, and again, I, I really don't know that this book was written um, – for the medium of comics, uh, and I could be completely wrong, um, but it, it feels like it could have started its life off as as something else. Um, but I, I'm intrigued. Like I, I'm, I'm interested because it's I'm, I'm always curious about these quiet books that uh, you know I, I've got a a soft spot in my heart for uh, decay. Uh, I've got a soft spot in my heart for the the future that that isn't um, and 
and, and these are the kind of sleeper books that you just kind of catch when you're flipping through previews and, and something catches your eye. Uh, and and you just it, it could end up being you know the next best thing it could end up being just kind of a a flash in the pan but there's there's at least the impetus of something here that that really grabbed me um if it it's, it certainly does look gorgeous but i i didn't buy into the first issue and at least in single issues so uh i haven't read this but it's it's eating away at me because i keep seeing it you talked about it uh david talked about it and it's like the art is so nice yeah and i'm 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 it's killing me that the the trade is not coming out tomorrow right so i can read it um my bad i should have bought the singles on this but um how could i not i mean just look at it i i it was even in my one of my previous videos i'm like you got to get this book the the art is spectacular and i it was one of those books that just kind of didn't make the cut after the many many collected editions did so i don't know i've uh, it's hard it's hard to pick and choose and this one i regret not adding in single issues well it's one of those things like and it's come up a few times on the past couple episodes where you know some people heap praise on everything so people only talk about things that they're going to to gush about and you guys aren't like that. I'm not like that. And so that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this book, because this book is kind of – it's not that – I am not just desperately in love with this book. I, I don't dislike this book. I don't know what to think about this book. Right. And it's one of those things that makes you – it makes you kind of dissect the craft of it. It reminds me a little bit of one of those um, you know, fictional realism books that uh, people who try to – be uh, academic about their their writing fantasy um a, a little bit which which i dig i mean my my major and undergrad was in, in english and in literature so i i dig the fictional realism um aspect of the fantasy but i i don't know how this is going to end but the first issue at least was enough to confuse me in a fun way mm-hmm. if, if that makes sense yeah no i i love the books that when the cover's closed and you just lean back, close your eyes, take a breath, and you think, all right, speak to me. What did I get out of this? Right. And it takes a while, sometimes days, sometimes weeks, to get to the point where it either grabbed me and I, I find it very compelling or it didn't. But it's those books that aren't readily apparent that mm-hmm. I, I love. And that's... One of the books I'm going to talk about tonight, this man's work, that's the exact way I'm struck by his work. Because on the surface, it's obvious and it's it's filthy and it's dirty and it's drug-filled, but there's a lot more going on. And I think that's where Jason misses out because he doesn't give it the time to steep and to, to, to let these underlying uh, character moments seep in. He just sees you know, the slackers and that's it. You know, Jason is, he just, the hand goes up. I'm not reading any more of that, but I love the books that take a while to ferment. Right. Yeah. There's something there. There's well, because I, it's meant, it, it plants a seed. It's meant to, right. to live in your brain. Right. Um, right. The, and it takes a little bit to ferment. Um, and that's, that's kind of like origins. This book is a, 
you know, if you if you look at the art and you make your way through it, it's obviously making a statement about the the touch of mankind's hand on on the world. It's making a statement about evolution. I mean, I don't think it's any accident that they're in a a museum of uh, human history or anthropology, right. uh, you know, they, or that you see the the Cro Magnons or the apes that are, you know, that you know dressed up in little funny hats and Hawaiian T-shirts, or that you see this giant blue whale uh, hanging over, I, like those aspects of of nature and the the study of nature um, are persistent through this book in a world that probably no longer recognizes those things. Right. Well, it sounds like it has legs and has a lot of meat on the bones. So, damn it, why didn't I order it? Uh, his Caleb's description. I mean, I know mine. It, it was in your travels, and I, I'm I'm deliberately vague uh, when it comes to things, especially first issues. It was fairly new, but um, yeah, anybody who may have been on the fence because they didn't know what I was talking about, hopefully, Caleb definitely sold you because it it's I. It almost sounded a little different than the book I read, and and. Um, but you mentioned things that uh, that absolutely play a part and and um, help explain what it is we're seeing here. Um, but yeah, it is it, it's so damn pretty, so nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a winner. It is. Um, there is something that. Uh, I know for a lot of people, uh, it could be considered a winner. I know uh, for our good friend Arnie, it's definitely made him some money as far as characters' first appearances go. But um, I decided to read Punchline, number one. Um, And I did this for a couple of reasons uh one of which i knew that 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 caleb had read it um but because i've read very very little batman uh since tom's run ended uh so i don't know anything about joker i don't know what the hell's going on uh in in this corner of the bat universe so i'm going in blind and that's that's on me, but I want to um, I want to point out that uh, for somebody who and it's weird because it's not like oh they never used to do this as 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 mentioned before you know, reading the Booster Gold collection um, when some members of the Legion of Superheroes show up as part of just regular conversation you're caught up really quickly as far as who the characters are what their powers are uh what's going on in their world outside of booster gold that doesn't exist here and it's it's a little bit annoying because except for your exchanges on the slack regarding harp i have no idea what Al harper is no idea i've never read anything with this character so they just throw the name around and i'm just supposed to know who everybody is. There's no captions. There's, there's nothing, you know, no footnotes um, saying, you know, for more information on this character. Even at the end, it's like, hey, if you like this, then make sure you go back and you read the earlier Joker War issues or this is Punchline's other appearances. Nothing. You you, you really, really, they're, they're, DC is offering this issue up 
with the assumption that the person picking up a first issue with a big old number one on the cover knows everything about this character before leading up to this. Or at least what else is going on in this character's world. Aside from knowing who the Joker is, um, and Leslie Tompkins looking like nothing like I've ever seen Leslie Thompson look like before, I, I guess I came away maybe a little bit more annoyed than anything. And again, that's, that's because I'm not current on anything going on. So, um, you know, now it's on me to find out where else I can find more out about these characters, but there's no, there's no map. And again, not, not to hold, do the whole, they do, you, you pick up, you pick up the first issue of an event from Marvel and, you know, the back three pages are lists of, epic collections or old trades or where on Marvel Unlimited you could read about, you know, where this led up to. And um, it's lacking here. And it, it it's a little annoying because I'm, I'm not going through Wikipedia to find out where I can find things because Wikipedia likes to spoil shit. So I'm, I'm screwed, but uh, it's a cool looking book. Uh, it's, it's written by James Tinney and the fourth and, Sam Johns, art by Mirka Andolfo, uh, colors by Romulo Fajardo Jr. And it's um, Punchline is is a character who is this is me on the outside looking in, who is 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 obsessed, enamored. Um, wants to know more about the Joker. And, you know, first blush, I'm like, they already did that. She's an extremely very popular character and she's been in movies. And, um, I'm not sure why we needed a newer, younger version, but there's a slight difference in the two between Harley Quinn and, and punchline. Um, but it's another strike. This kind of has, against it with me is that um it makes for a cool story and and you know if if james didn't write this then i'm sure somebody else would come up with the idea for the character but i'm there really isn't anything that punchline the 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 character of punchline isn't necessarily a character that um that i kind of need to read more about i i definitely get it and I understand the, the attraction here, but reading about a character who is absolutely um, smitten by a homicidal maniac and, and is going to just live their life uh, under uh, Joker's way, it, it's it's not, there's there's nothing, um, it's not necessarily a character I'm, I, I need to escape from the world from and read about. Um but I basically, yeah, I, I, I kind of have some questions, so I'm going to let Caleb talk about it and uh, fill in any gaps, and um, and maybe I'll come out of this knowing a little bit more, or at least being interested enough to uh, to seek more out. Well, it's it's funny because everything you just said is everything that I felt about the character up until this book. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because I'm so I'm current on on Batman, uh, mostly so Hassan doesn't send me hate mail. Uh, but 
he, because you know that's his that's his bread and butter. Uh-huh. But not so. And it, she is a character who, at least in that main series or in her inception, is very derivative, right? Like like there is a line between homage and derivative, and I think you know jumped about five feet past it in in Batman. But this book this book kind of solidified to me that maybe maybe with more room, more space to explore the character um, in a, in a book that's her, her own and and, hell the book's not even really necessarily about her. Mm. Um, But, but it's, there's enough there to kind of flesh her out and make her her own individual. Um, Because she is a, you know, like you said, she, she can come off as, as smitten by the Joker or being a, a clone of the character. But in this book, I kind of got something else. Um, once they they started talking about her story, um, and they they give you the the meat and potatoes of how she first came into contact with the Joker as a, kind of a young woman on a field trip uh, and, and saw what he was capable of. Um, I, I she is she obsessed? Yes, but I don't necessarily think that she um, she's obsessed with the Joker as much as she's obsessed with what he can do and and his ability to manipulate people. Uh, kind of across the board because she's not um she doesn't have the whatever syndrome that that Harley Quinn has right like she doesn't she's not the doting uh, princess or she might be with him but you know Harley is that way or was that way uh, no matter who was in the room um, she is you know very affectionate and loving with with the crown prince uh, whenever he's there but when he's out of the room she's maniacal and conniving it's almost as if she sees him as a tool which is interesting because i don't know that anybody has ever uh ever had the lack of brain cells or the death wish to use the joker in that way um maybe but i don't know uh but you know so the joker war just happened uh and they just kind of got out of that that line and you know she's been arrested and she's going She's getting arraigned. She's she's in court, and when when the book opens up, they're trying to decide if she is mentally competent to stand trial. Uh, and, and she maintains that she is, uh, which is different than what you would think that she would go to, because Gotham is a state that you know allows capital punishment. That you know she could face some serious consequences. Um, you would think that what she would do is pretend to be insane, uh, get get locked up, have a civil commitment done. And then be able to convince the the caretakers that she was cured through you know, either medication or, or psychotherapy or, or something. But she she's not going for that. She's going to insist that she was innocent. Um, and and all of that is that makes me kind of terrified of her in a way that I never was. I actually I liked this book where I didn't think I was going to. I went into this thinking I was just going to like you know I, like I just kind of wasted my money. Um, and then by the, by the time I walked away from it, I was kind of enamored, but, but mostly, well, well, two things, because like you said, um, this book, uh, gives you some characters that we haven't seen for a while. And it's funny, you know, how the universe syncs up sometimes because Vince was just talking about them. Um, you know, it's, it's Harper Rowe and, and Cullen Rowe, her brother, uh, and, and Harper is working as a. I guess an assistant to to one of the psych, psycho the psychiatrists that interviewed her for whatever, but but where the story goes from from there and and why they play such an important part, 
is what what James Tynan's doing is kind of this broader statement of the ability to abuse the zeitgeist, uh, to abuse pop culture, um, to recruit susceptible people, young people, um, to get them to follow, you know, really abhorrent humans who have done terrible things. I mean, you know, Punchline just like literally is just getting out of the the Joker War where she she at least helped if not committed a, a series. Well, we know she committed a series of murders. Like she's, she's just as despicable as anybody else that took part in that. But what she does is she kind of kicks off this, um, uh, media campaign. Uh, and like I said, I don't want to, to spoil everything about it because it's kind of fascinating in the way that, that, that the plot is laid out. But essentially what they're doing is this kind of same, thing that we see alt-right groups do to young susceptible white men right it, it's it, with, without beating any bushes like this is the this is the mechanism they use to pull people to their side it's, and, and it could be easy to draw parallels to like modern politics right but i think it's more than that like it's not he's not just just picking the the low-hanging fruit um because you think about I mean, it's, it's been a weird year, and it seems like it's been about 17 years long, but you know, back in March, when that Tiger King show just showed up out of nowhere, um, like, like uh, you know, it, and it sounds absurd, but we're talking about a man who was a, a member of a conspiracy who was plotting to kill uh, it one, if not multiple people, who was um, doing kind of despicable brainwashy type things. Um, and got arrested for it and was in prison for it for a very long time. And as soon as this Netflix show comes out, all of a sudden you have people calling in demanding his release. Like there's, they're launching GoFundMe's and Kickstarters for, uh, you know, care packages and uh, fruit baskets or some such shit to send to him to get him released. And, and the dude is not a, a good person. Um, and, and I say all that because what fascinates me is not necessarily the character, um, you know, you know, like Vince says, has, has said a hundred times, like, I love the relationship between between Harper and Cullen. But the, the story is not necessarily even about them either. They're more of just a vehicle to to get the point across. And in the psychology of that is what fascinates me. And like I said, I could I could deal without, you know, this this book could have been done at image with, with different characters. And I would have been equally as, as fascinated by it. It's not the the Bat family baggage that got me. It's this kind of understanding the, this weird thing that has really made waves in our world, um, be it in our, our pop culture, uh, in our celebrity culture, or in even our political culture, um, where you get people who are just willing to invest in, dedicate their life to, um, you know, cult, cult-like aspects of just grifters and people who are obviously bad people, um, and that's that's kind of what that world or what this story is 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 doing. To me, that's the genius of what what Tyne is doing. Like I said, if if you just want to boil it down to to superhero characters and uh, you know if it's setting it up for the the bat to rush in, or I mean, I think you kind of have to because number one, if they were getting ready to launch this media campaign and and the world's in, in Gotham and the world's greatest detective isn't there to stop it, then I'm calling bullshit. Uh, so I think you kind of have to look past that. Or, or maybe you don't. I don't know. Um, at least for me, I I had to because he's making some really broader statements about about culture, about our culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah that he is. That's 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 
quite apparent. Um, and and he's he's done that um, in the past, whether it's uh, the 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 trilogy he did with um, Eric Donovan, the the medic, mm-hmm. and uh, Eugene. But there's um, you know it, as far as a look at society and and how people can be manipulated or try to understand others and and not um it's like because even even the conversation that 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 cullen has when when he kind of puts his foot down with towards his sister about how um you know it's okay for her to work with um work with orphan even though orphan apparently did things and all they're saying is you know read batman and robin eternal for more information and um and you know so so you know it's okay for for Parker to work with with Orphan, but Cullen can't at least listen to what Punchline is is trying to say or accomplish. And and yeah, there's there's you know there's, there's that hypocritical double standard, and you know we see that every day online when we try to argue common sense with people who uh, refuse to see it because right. they're just it's 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 a brick wall and. Um, it's very hard to come meet in the middle to come to an understanding if one side is, is going to just keep yelling at you and um, it could be frustrating. And I'm sure that that did not help as I'm reading this, because again, I read things to escape from the real world and, and, and he does it extremely well, which is probably so, so, so that's, you know, kudos to him that, that that's in his favor that, you know, I felt, I felt a certain way while reading this because it's a reflection of what else is going on. And, and that's not, I wasn't in in the right place, perhaps. Um, editorially, that there's still issues with, with how it's presented and, and packaged. Okay. But as far as he wanting to tell this story uh, of this character, um, I, I definitely, for people who are interested in it, I definitely see that this is this is a um, this is a logical progression. And I think also what didn't help is. Uh, her fascination. It, it, I'm at the point right now where I think, I think we need to because because they did this after the death of of Jason Todd. They put Joker on the shelf for a while. Mm-hmm. He had diplomatic immunity. He was some foreign ambassador, and we didn't see him. And reading this and her talking about, you know, oh maybe maybe the joke was was too good for the rest of the world to know about, or only Batman knows this joke, and it involves, you know, Commissioner Gordon and his daughter, and, and I'm like, okay, so we're now, we're, again, we're going back to that story, and we just got done reading Three Jokers, and it's like, I'm, I'm probably a little jokered out right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm still chasing my eyeballs down the street after finishing Three Jokers. Yeah, that was, that was a whole other thing. I mean, that, that was just shitty timing, but... Um, you know, I, I think as far as what, um, what James and company are, are going to do with the character, um, you know, I, I, there's gotta be a sense that, that people are, it, it, it's like, you know, when we saw Venom for the first time, it's like, you know, oh, okay. So I'm here now for a new character. Um, that's, that's, that they're bigging up. So let me, um, grab everything and 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 be on this character's journey because i'm here now from from on the ground floor and and i'm not having to you know i don't need to know 50 years of 
of of Hal Jordan history. Just just you know, find out what's going on. Um, so they're here, and and probably because there are other readers who aren't me who are more familiar with Batman's cast of characters and supporting cast um, that know everybody involved in this issue. So as far as you know, just someone picking it up off the shelf to see, you know, if if there's anything in it for them or um, or anything to hook them. Um, I, I, I guess I'm one reader where I'm, I'm it, it's lacking in that regard for me. Um, but I am seriously interested in how my friends feel about her from here on out. And, and once, once I know the Joker war is, is collected or is being collected and, and I, I'll go back and read, um, everything leading up to this once it's collected but i uh, yeah there there was just i was really hoping that i'd be able to get up to speed right with this and and that didn't happen yeah it wasn't a very good end cap of the the joker war series it, it, it you know it stems from that but it doesn't uh, i i mean to be fair i i've read that and all you really need to know is that they did some bad shit blew up gotham and lots of people got hurt <laughs> okay um, and it I mean, we're—it's tangent, but really, Joker War to me was just a cool way to introduce some new characters and to to dip back in the nostalgia pool for you know because we haven't done that enough this year. Um, and then, yeah, I, I didn't necessarily care for that series as much as a lot of other people did, um, but it—it's just—it's—it's it's a lot of nostalgia. I mean, really, that's all you need to to know um, coming out of it. But but I I. I 100% see what you're saying about not having enough to latch on to. Um, and, and, well, especially with, with Bluebird, and, you know, Vince is going to be happy because you actually do get to see Bluebird in the and Bluebird it, outfit. And hey. if Leslie didn't say her name, I have no idea who the hell this I, I Obviously, I know it was Parker, but I have no idea, you know, who this character is supposed to be lurching over the rooftop looking down at the court. So I'm glad <laughs> Leslie said her name. Otherwise, I was like, I'm, I don't know who this is. Right. She's the new Stephanie Brown. That's who but, she is. She but, she's she's Snyder's Stephanie Brown. If you read Snyder's Batman run, you'd know who she was. Yeah. Okay. That's what All I'm right. saying. So you can't right. you can't discount one of the most popular Batman runs. I'm not ever. But I'm saying right? that I had no idea. Just but but just because I didn't read eight years of Snyder's work on a character doesn't you know throw me a goddamn bone in 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 forty odd pages of something to tell me. Where just just I don't, it's I'm getting half of it. I'm just I'm 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 getting the, the the tail end of a conversation. I walked into a room when everybody was pretty much done saying the last sentences of what they were saying. I have no idea what's going on, and um, and it 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 kind of rubs me raw when it's a big old number one on the cover, as if this is the start of something and not. Because when you get to the last, last pages, it continued in 2021. And granted, that's that's four weeks away. But still, it's like, well, obviously it's going to be after March because we got yeah. future. So, I mean, you know, it's it's so, you know, hey, here's something. Please come back in the spring and this may be continuing. And, 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 and it was a lot for, for with everything else going on. It was just it was, I listen, I. Whether unfair or not, I I'm not saying I had expectations, but if you're giving me something to work with, then I, I, I 
I'm I'm carrying all the water here. Is what it feels like. But I you're telling me, you know, Harper is a very popular character and a character you love. I'd like to know more about the character, but I I didn't get anything here. She's got a lot of heart. She takes care of her brother. Her brother's gay. Yeah, who seems a little yes. Yeah. That, big, that was apparent, but it, big it, deal. It he used to get beat up, and she she stuck up for him, and and she she takes the hit for his inability to uh, grab the world, you know, by the neck, and it's just it, it's a very uh, loving relationship, and you don't see that very often. In uh, in I like the quieter moments, and yeah. that's why I like Harper because she's got a lot of heart. Uh, Bruce tell, told her uh, during the Snyder run. Stop! You're going to get hurt. Stop what you're doing. I don't want to see you put yourself out there like this. You're really good at what you do, and she's an electrical engineer. You're really good at what you do, but you're going to end up getting hurt. So just stop. I'm not going to say it again. Stop. And she doesn't stop because she 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 likes helping people. She likes helping Batman. Yeah, she's it's, she's kind of like Tim Drake in that aspect. Kind of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. She's yeah, not, she's not, very altruistic. Right. She's not getting I mean, anything out of it, you know. Other Cullen's than getting, Cullen's getting a little salty though. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And read yeah. this, Cullen. Uh, he, he's not the he's not baby brother as much anymore. He's 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 feeling his he's feeling some manhood. Well, good yeah. for him. Yeah. Good for him. Um, and you know, and and, and shout out to the nice um, Alex Ross homage on on one of the pages. Um, I'm I'm absolutely. This is one issue where I, it, it's it's a running joke and. It's been done to death, but I am absolutely amazed why I have no idea why anybody would want to move to Gotham. I, I'm first of all, I'm surprised the the the, the population of, of the city isn't like two hundred people. Because even even before this issue, obviously people were dying. But I mean she she kills a whole dining room restaurant full of people and and, and that's just that's just one scene. But you know, the number of people who die on a regular basis at the start Joker's got the whole TV station on on lockdown, and you know it's just. Well, why would you go back after No Man's Land? Get the fuck out! <laughs> I mean, I, there there should only be a dozen people left. Seriously, at this point. yeah, old but people still, who you know who own their houses and don't want to leave. I, I I just it's 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 like well, oh I'm gonna make my mark on Gotham. The guy that I got to move, I got to transfer because of my job, and it's like why I don't? There's absolutely nothing. That would make anybody interested in that makes Gotham attractive. Oh, I'm going to move there. Okay, I it's suicide. Well, the the obvious answer is that you can go to a memorial and get a Joker fish plushie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, or I mean, it could be the Anton First architecture. That is very compelling. That is, you're right. You're yeah. right. I, I wouldn't mind living someplace like that. Yeah. But yeah. No. I mean, it, it's it's it was. There are definite. Um, it's it's. There are moments in in the issue where um, that James obviously did his homework and um, appreciates and respects Joker stories that came before. And if if you're a fairly newish reader, if if you know if you weren't around when the Killing Joke was published, if 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 you know if you don't know who Marshall Rogers is, then there are little things in this issue that clue you in on previous Joker because these are all actual Joker stories. It's not like, you know, anybody's making anything up to 
make the Joker seem worse than he is. These are all events that happened in, in Batman's past. Um, so if, if you're not familiar with how heinous the Joker has been, um, this is, this is a good intro. It is the, the punchline is, is pretty well, or at least her podcast are your, your ears and eyes going through, uh, going through the issue and, and, um, and kind of getting, getting up to speed. There, there, it, there are parts of it that absolutely work, and and um, and it's not, you know, my my coming down on it is just is is completely me. There's nothing, there's nothing wrong with with the story that's being told here. Um, I mean, again, just outside of editorially, but there's it's it's um, like yeah, I mean, not not to belabor it. it it's just I. What I was expecting, I, I didn't get. And that's, like I said, that's, I could say that that's just on me. Well, no, I think, I mean, I think that's fair. I mean, there's some merit to the, the saying that every issue should be written like it's somebody's first issue. Yes. Yep. And yep. if you, yep. if you don't have that baggage and you roll in and you have, you're, like, you're, you're, and that's the thing with big two comics, right? Like you, you need, there's something about big two comics that you have to have some connection to continuity. Um, kind of that that you don't have to have if you're picking up a book from another publisher like they're they're big two comics they're the continuity's built in so if you don't have that if you don't have that anchor um you don't have that bridge reaching over to these characters then in, in a big two book something feels lost yeah um, i think that's completely fair well there you go do i need to do some creative ass play to pick us up cuz i'll do it I mean, I'm on the show, so you might as well. All right. And Jason is not, which uh, allows me to talk more about Simon Hanselman because uh, Jason don't dig him. But that's okay. Um, I am slowly getting up to uh, snuff on my Hanselman. I have a stack, and uh, this book is the latest book published. It's called Seeds and Stems, of course, um, written and illustrated by Simon Hanselman. It's a 360-page collection published by Fanagraphics. Its uh, production design on this book is amazing because the dust jacket is uh, semi-transparent orange plastic. It's supposed to resemble a pill bottle. And uh, if you have read Hanselman or you've heard me talk about it, you know that drugs are a big part of the Megan Mog story. So there's even a prescription label on the front of this thing. Uh, Hanselman wanted the dust jacket to be made out of plastic because you're supposed to, or he would prefer that if you use this as a, bat, a bathroom book. So it's got a piss shield on it. So you're not going to get the cover all jacked up. And uh, underneath the cover... The, the the orange shield, Meg, Mog, Owl, and Werewolf Jones are melting in the throes of some controlled substances. So it's it, it's a lot about drugs. But is it about drugs? Hmm. <laughs> the uh, it, there's a really good interview on YouTube between uh, Noah Van Skyver and Simon Hanselman. Go watch it. It's amazing. They do this little Zoom uh, interview, and uh, each 
of the guys is just enamored with the other. Like Noah loves Simon. Simon loves Noah's stuff. And they, they beat ideas back and forth. They talk about process and making comics. It's really good. It's extremely good. So uh, I I tweeted it the the link, but if you just go on the YouTube and and do no and search for Noah Van Skyver Simon Hanselman, it'll come up. It is very much worth your time. It's about an hour, uh, so watch it. But so we got seeds and stems. What is this book? Well, this book is the stuff that was published in a variety of locations. Most of it was self-published and distributed in very limited uh, editions by Hanselman himself. I talked about Werewolf Jones and Sons way back. Uh, what he does is he makes five, 600 of these little zines and he sells them through Instagram. And if you get in, you get in. If you don't, well, nice try, buddy. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, like I said, very uh, Hanselman is one of the... Uh, the, the critical darlings uh, in the alt-comic scene right now. So his stuff goes quickly. Um, I got a bunch of them. I don't have all of them, uh, thankfully, because then I, what would this edition be worth to me? Uh, but I do have some, and it was hard to get them. Um, and they're not cheap, be that as it may. So um, the, the, one of the longer stories in this volume is called Halloween. And this kind of sets the tone for not only this book, but for the the um, the entire Megan Mog universe. Um, it, the impetus for the adventure is is hunger. The gang is hungry, and since Owl is the only one of the group who even makes an effort to keep a regular job, uh, Owl's broke, so he can't buy food for himself and the gang. Um, they need to come up with a solution. They're hungry, right? Um, since it's Halloween, Werewolf Jones uh, says they should use the holiday to their advantage. Let's throw on some masks, right? We'll go trick-or-treat until our goodie bags and our bellies are full. And he's like, yeah, me and Dracula Jr. did this one year. Oh, it was awesome. We got a lot of food. And the idea kind of goes over like a lead balloon. Like these are 20-somethings. Uh, none of the group is into it, but Werewolf Jones pushes, and, and they reluctantly agree, so he gets a, a stack of cheap paper McDonald's masks, right? And uh, Werewolf Jones is Grimace, Meg is Ronald, and her nose is like poking through the paper mask, because if you've seen Meg, she's got a long green nose, um, Mog is the Hamburglar, and Owl is Birdie. Remember Birdie, the early early bird? Mm -hmm. They used McDonald's used her to promote the breakfast. Yep. Um so and it's it's funny that Owl, who is the only fowl, would be Birdie, the the early bird. But anyway, uh but as expected, it doesn't go very well. They they're going trick-or-treat and they're knocking in on doors and they're they're ringing bells and nobody opens the door for the for the gang. One guy actually did. And, and he thought they were bringing his Amazon delivery. <laughs> and, and when he when he's he's pressed, he claims to have never heard of what is this Hal of Ween? 
He's like, I don't even know what this is. And the, the gang's like, what are you fucking stupid? It's, it's Halloween. It's a, it's a national holiday. You don't know what it is? He's like, no, I don't know what it is. And he moves his shirt over. And he's got a pistol in his pants. So he's like, he's like, get the fuck off my property. So the gang just makes, uh, goes on their way. And by this point, Werewolf Jones is getting pissed because his idea isn't bearing fruit, right? So he becomes as is typical of the character he becomes aggressive and and he squirts super glue on people's locks and and breaker boxes he he gets these condoms filled with mayonnaise he he calls them mayo doms and he lobs them into this open bathroom window and Hanselman shows you the, the the condom come in and explode and there's like all mayonnaise in this bathroom and then Werewolf Jones throws a condom full of molasses in there and he's like, and they're just like, he's fucking the place up. But, um, the piece de resistance, he takes a gigantic shit on someone's front stoop and he puts three sparklers in it and he lights it. And for some reason, like they look like birthday candles, but for some reason, the sparklers explode. I I thought they explode. Could just be banging on the door, but you hear boom, 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 right? Um, and, and they run and he's kicking over garbage cans and they're chased by the cops and they make their way to this dock, right? And they steal a boat, a little tiny boat, uh, and they float out onto the water and they, they get to an island and there's an abandoned house on the island. Place is in really bad state of disarray. Uh, windows are all boarded up. There's not really any furniture in the place. It's just, it's, it's, left to rot right um so owl being owl he's freaking out um owl is very submissive he reacts to things uh he doesn't act on things right he lets the world come to him um and they all take advantage of owl like i said he's the only one who really uh tries to to go to work uh, and make money. He tries to do the, the responsible thing. Like he gets involved with the drugs and the debauchery just almost as much as everybody else. But at, at least he puts on the front. Like he plays the game. And, um, Al's freaking out and the others just kind of wander away. So Al goes into the house and he's looking around and, and he's, he doesn't find anybody. But then he finally finds Werewolf Jones and Jones is naked. And he's on all fours and he's masturbating. And he's like, dude, the action with the cops and the masks and everything. He goes, I'm hot, dude. <laughs> so supposedly the cops are outside the house. And Werewolf Jones is, is still masturbating. He's uh, and he's grunting and he's moaning louder and louder. And I was like, dude, stop. The cops are outside. They're going to hear us. And Werewolf Jones turns, right? And he has something sticking out of his ass. Mm. And I was like, what the hell? He's like, dude, do you have a Snickers sticking out of your ass? <laughs> and, 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 and Will Jones is like, dude, you don't expect me to come without some ass play, do you? Where, Werewolf Jones has kids, but he swings both ways. He, he is as eager to, to have sex with a man as he is to have sex with a woman. You gotta respect the dude. Like, he's, he's open to a lot of stuff, right? Um, so the cops are banging on the door and Owl is losing it and, uh, Werewolf Jones says he's literally packed with peanuts and 
<laughs> Jones Jones's thing goes off, and the cop enters with his gun drawn. Jones jumps out of a window. So Al's alone with the cop, right? Turns out that werewolf Jones shit on the captain's doorstep. So it took it very personal. Uh, Al takes the fall for all their debauchery. Werewolf Jones swims out to Meg and Mog. They're in the tiny boat, right? Meg is still really hungry. So werewolf Jones offers her a Snickers. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no, no, no. Don't eat, don't eat it from that end. Eat it from the other end. <laughs> oh. and, and she starts to eat it. And the last two panels, Jones is looking at her. And the last panel, he's looking up going, <whistles> you know, oh, man. That's what you can expect from Simon Hanselman. Like, yes, it's it's like Three's Company gone horribly, horribly wrong and explicit. Um, but there's more to these characters than just drugs and debauchery, right? There, there's one strip that's very telling. It's it's a strip on lucid dreaming, and it reveals a great deal about the main characters. Um, their dreams quickly spiral out of their control, and there's very much insight into what makes these characters tick. I won't go into it, but let these aren't one-note characters. Like, yes, um, Meg is terminally depressed, has no ambition at all, is is just like extremely detached from the world. But why? Right? Um, why? Why the drugs to make the world go away? Why do they need these these things to to make the external dissolve? Uh, Meg is uh, her lucid dream. She just wants to fly. What does that say about that character, right? All she does is she wants to be free. She wants to break free of the bonds of the earth and and just leave. Mm -hmm. She it, it's it's so um overbearing and and so weighty on her her psyche that she just wants to elevate above it right werewolf jones is a nihilist he's the he's hedonistic right he just wants to fuck and get drunk and get you know messed up on drugs but he's i think he's the most respectable dude in the series like you wouldn't think so he he finds ketamine behind a radiator and injects it into his eyeball right while his kids are left to fend for themselves. Like, that's not a respectable character, but he's the one that he actually takes steps to make the world work for him. He dies young. <laughs> there's there's flash forwards where um, Werewolf Jones is dead and all the other characters are still alive. So, like, he doesn't have a very long lifespan uh, as far as the strip goes, but uh, at least he does something like... Mog is just an abusive cat, and and his dream. He's in a relationship with Meg, but in his dream, everybody else is making time with Meg, and he gets pissed off, like he's like, "What the fuck? Like you're supposed to be with me." But in the in the waking world, he doesn't treat Meg very well, you know. Like, yeah, they have their moments, but he's he's equally as shitty as he is. I don't want to call it loving, but at least attentive, right? Uh, there's there's a lot of stuff below the surface of these uh, apparently, you know, uh, lowbrow, drug-fueled, sex-filled 
romps but the, that's why i love hanselman because it's the, the, there's you can get into the real core of these characters if you pay attention and and uh just try and understand why altering their minds is so important to them i i don't understand that i've never been like uh one to use recreational drugs um mind expanding drugs we could talk about that sometime in the you know when we're together uh but like just to <laughs> just to get fucked up for the sake of getting fucked up like i never thought that was a worthwhile pursuit right there there's there's no goal there other than to escape and um i i love the way he draws i love the way he makes comics it's a big thick ass book um that not only alone but in uh com- when you add it to the ovoir that already exists these are very complex characters that he's created and uh if if you're looking to to get um some alt comics experience there's no capes in here there's there's anthropomorphic animals but you know there's no calls it's just it it's a an insight into a way of sequential storytelling that's off the beaten path and i think he's freaking wonderful like simon he dresses up like a woman he's married he's he's apparently heterosexual but he feels comfortable dressing up like a woman that just shows you, like, he just wants to feel comfortable in his own skin. And I think that's what his characters are searching for. But most of them haven't reached that that plateau yet. So check it out. It's uh, Seeds and Stems. It's the stuff that's left over after um, all the other big pieces have been taken out. See, isn't it? It's conceptual, right? Uh, Fanagraphics books, I don't know how much it is. I think it's like 30 bucks. But you can get it. It's a big brick of a book. You can get it a lot cheaper than that from uh, in-stock trades or uh, other places. And watch that YouTube video. It's awesome. I love Noah Van Skyver. Um, and combination with him and Simon, wow, it's very, very good. Yeah, two greats. Go do it. Yeah, when you said Noah's name, I like that. That contextualizes it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, Did it go blammo in your head? No, very few people <laughs> understand sequential storytelling in its simplicity as he does. Yeah, yeah, he's very subtle. Hanselman's not subtle. No, no. But uh, very rewarding, I think. Um, he is one of it's one of my all-time favorites. And it's weird because he just burst upon the scene. It seems like yesterday. But what? Is he, he's been doing it for less than, I don't even know, 10 years? That's, that's a great career stride to be on the, the, the lips of, of, you know, most alt comic fans to have your books published by fanographics and you haven't been really doing it all that long you know um i i can't uh verbalize exactly what the magic is in the hanselman uh recipe but it's there and um it's it's a a verite it's a, a unvarnished um i i don't want to try and equate it with with anything uh because then the magic goes away right but it's it's there and and it's it's not a a shiny happy feel-good tune not by a long shot i am done with this
done done with this for now with, with the comics or with the beer no no <laughs> never yeah. I'm, I'm done with the with the Hanselman until maybe uh i i just uh i have bad gateway i want to talk about i want to talk about I, I talked about mega hex uh a while back i think that was with jason that was what started the whole thing but um again it, i don't usually bring Hanselman to the table because i it's one of those things that i reserve for me but screw it i can't do that because Cameron's like, dude, you love it. Why don't you talk about it? It's like, okay, I will. Aw. Yeah. Well, I mean, you got to because that's how you let – you spread the love. That's how you let other folks know. It's so, true. like, I, until last episode, I, I think I heard you mention it one bef- once before, but was not r- really on the Hanselman radar. Um, but because I heard you talking about him and I started looking him up, like, I now follow him on the, the grams. And, oh, yeah. Um, I've got several of his books stacked up on my uh, my wish list. Oh, nice. And and with that being said, so like I, I just added uh, seeds and stems to my my like two buy list. But is that a good place to start with Hanselman? Because like I said, I'm I'm kind of just brand spanking new. No, uh, um, the fact that he exists. Well, yes and no. Yes, it, it, there's there's not a bad place to start. You'll you get up to speed very quickly on on what makes these characters tick. But in the interview with Noah Van Skyver, Hanselman delineates the way you should read the books and i believe the first one uh is megan mog in amsterdam i think mega hex is not the first one Uh, i think it's megan mog in amsterdam followed by mega hex and then uh one more year and i think bad gateway and then seeds and stems but you can they're not complex you could read them in any order Sounds like the souvenirs from Amsterdam lasted a while if Season Stem is the last book. But <laughs> <laughs> a bump. Thank you. I try. Very nicely done. What else do we have? Um I will speak on this so we can um so I can clear it off my plate and stop carrying it over. Um and because I don't know when's the last time we really had an Orama. Um so just for you, Vince, it's a Bendis Orama. He sounds enthralled. Nice, I know, right? Nice. Try. <laughs> Did you hit mute? I um, was I was typing, and I don't I don't like to type when. Uh, yeah. No, that's fine. Um, it's basically because uh, I, I caught up on Legion of Superheroes and the. Um, I will say that there, I, I I enjoyed the first arc as far as setting up this new future and and who these um, who, who comprises this version of um, of the Legion and and John is very much a um, an outsider here. He's he's watching everything. Because he's not he's not going to just jump in feet or fist first. Um, he's he's not a hothead. He's he's very uh, he's very much his father's son, and and I appreciate that. And um, even though he was without his mother and father for a good chunk of his um, preteen years, it still goes a long way knowing um, what a Kent upbringing. <laughs> Uh, can do and he um you know he's he's fitting in nicely enough but 
after the first arc, which involves um, Jonah, Ultra Boy's father, um, and and the general kind of seemingly seceding from the United Planets, uh, there's there's um, I'm not gonna call it a coup, but there's there, there's there's a whole big thing happening. The Legion uh, saves the day. However, while up to that point, they're they're kind of on trial because um, their actions kind of uh, it, it's being painted that they're kind of going against what President Brand brought them all together to do, and uh, issues eight and nine were pretty spiffy because every page is drawn by a different artist or, or art team. Um, and it's not, it's not done in a way that's, that's annoying or detracted. And, and, uh, you get flashbacks to how some of the legionnaires were recruited, uh, whether it's Timberwolf or element lad, um, princess projector. There's, there's, they, you don't get everybody because it, the flashbacks are happening while the trial is going on. And, um, you, you, you have some, some of the legionnaires are struggling with, uh, some inner demons, specifically cosmic boy who thinks that he was the leader because he's a founding member and he's just got it in his head that he's a leader. But as the team grew, um, and others who may have better board leadership potential. Um, so a vote was put in place and, uh, the Legionnaires now have, have a new leader. Um, Cousin boy had a little bit of a hissy fit and, and he was going to leave, uh, but, but came to his senses. The, um, and it, what was fun about this is that as I'm as I'm reading it, it, it was just like just like in the old days when I was reading um, the, the official handbook of the Marvel Universe or even Who's Who, and and you turn the page and you go to see, you you guess uh, Who's Who had the artist name was on the page, but without looking there first, you would look at the art on the character and try to guess, at least I used to guess who the artist was that, that drew, you know, was that a John Burr Wolverine? Was that, uh, a John Burr Superman? Was it a Kurt Swan Superman? So you don't know who's, they don't give you the credits to the last page. And as I'm reading it, I read it through the first time. And then I go back and I try to guess as, okay, well, that's obviously a Riley Rossmo page. And you look back at the page and you're like, yeah, it, it's like a puzzle. It's almost like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I got the clue. And I win. And, um, so I had a lot of fun with these two issues because every page actually works. Nothing. Um, it's not like even, even like, you know, the David Mack pages and, and um, it, it's, it's, yeah, he's, he's good at what he does. So Bendis used him for that purpose. And uh, it, it, it moved the story along. It's not like it, it, it it's not 20 odd pages of pinups. Um, you know, for the most part, it's 
it's a who's who of, of DC artists. Michelle Fife does a page. I mean, there's there's a bunch of artists in here that I wouldn't have probably expected to see. It was neat to see. Um, of course, you know, you've got the Allred pages. You've got the Gary Frank pages. Um, and you get to the end of it on page nine, and, and there's a pretty um, pretty... It's 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 a nifty enough moment where um, it looks like Saturn Girl, she's got more control over her powers than than Jean Grey hitting puberty did. Where you know, remember all new X Men where she just couldn't get out of anybody's fucking head. That that that, that Saturn Girl is aware that uh, I mean she doesn't hide the fact she may not broadcast it, but she's not necessarily you know if you think too loud around her, um, she may keep it to herself. Or she may pull you aside and say, you know, I heard that. And, um, but she tries to give everybody their space. Uh, unfortunately, um, Superboy keeps forgetting that, uh, she can read minds and, um, and she's like, well, I like that you keep forgetting. And he's like, well, I hope I haven't offended you. So, so, um, she says with the constant, romantic thoughts you've had toward me since the moment we met and and he's just and, and so now he's a little embarrassed but she moves forward and and so we end the issue with uh the two of them kissing so th- again this isn't following the older legion steps where you know it was it was garth and emra who were an item and um you know it, it, it whether or not uh some characters looked how you expect them to look. And, and, and so, so things are, things are a little different and and that's absolutely fine. And I like, I like the twist in this case, you know, it's, it's, it's Superboy and Saturn girl, at least for the time being, and we'll see where it goes from there. But um, what also worked with the different artists was that because each artist kind of got to focus, there there, there was a legionnaire uh, that was kind of the focus on that page you got a little bit more insight on um, on the Legionnaires that that you didn't get in in the previous half a dozen issues. I mean, you you find out um, that uh, how intelligent Bouncing Boy is, and uh, that you know he's him being a Legionnaire isn't necessarily um, a a a goal of his and. Um, he's, uh, you know, cause he was considering, um, cause he wants to be called bouncing boy, but the founding members were like, we were considering calling you bullet, you know, cause it's projectile. And he's like, no, no, no. Cause with, with, no, it, it's all about the bounce for me. And he's, he's a level eight in meta, which, um, everybody is surprised about, but, um, he's, uh, He's like, you know, he he's 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 a doctor. He he wrote a, a doctoral on his ability and a, a metaphysical gateway science. And it's like there's just things about some of the legionnaires that you had no idea about, at least as far as this version. Um so again, because of the different artists kind of with the flashbacks and everything. I think it really worked. It could have been a huge mess. It could have just been pinup after pinup. It could have been, um, it could have been like a who's who, but it, 
it was done in a way to show you, because since the Legionnaires were on trial and the president wanted things explained to her, um, I, I just thought it was really smartly done. And, um, and I, I'm, I've liked the past few issues more than I've liked the the earlier issues at the um at the start. I mean the sook art looked great, but um it it wasn't treading water, but it was just it was a little slow going, I think, at first. Is there was there were a lot of of people on the page and uh some of Sook's panels were a little large and and that's not when you have these many characters so many characters on a page uh, in a book, it's it's kind of hard for anyone to kind of shine or, or, or for you to kind of glom onto one and, and see where they're going. But this, again, because of the way the artist got to work on a page and, and who they were focusing on, you got more out of, we, we got more out of some of the Legionnaires on one page than you would get out of, um, out of a whole issue early on. So that was cool. Um, Ramping up towards the end of Bendis' run on Superman on the main book. Um, now that um, now that he's been outed, uh, now that the world knows he's he's Clark Kent and Clark Kent is Superman. Um, while dealing with all of that, we're introduced to Sinmar, who is. Um, an alien from a whole other side of, uh, of the solar system. And he shows up and just immediately starts beating up on Superman. Um, and it's, he's not really communicating. He's not explaining why or, or, uh, he's Superman's just at a loss as to who the hell this, this person is, what he's doing, why he's here. Um, and the, um, Sinmar is attacking because when they find, when, when his people, when his planet find out that, um, that Krypton exploded, um, they witness the rocket leaving the planet and, and they just figure that the Kryptonians are sending one of their own to this other planet, um, to become a light God. And, and um, they assume it's because the rocket going to earth is going to, the, the passengers on that rocket are going to turn earth into a new Krypton. Um, so this way the, the, the Kryptonian would then become the leader, dominate the planet. Um, and for some reason, these aliens need to get ready for this and prepare to fight against that, defend themselves from it. Um, and so Sinmar heads towards earth and, and starts beating the crap out of Superman. Superman, um, does his best, ends up throwing himself and Sinmar into the phantom zone so they can take the fight off of earth, away from earth. Um, and, uh, Superman attempts to reason with Sinmar, and and he's kind of able to because instead of he's not he wasn't running the, the, the way Yvonne draws it is is stunning but um, 
Superman isn't running away from Sinmar, but he's also not, um, he's, he's kind of playing with him a little bit, you know, instead of, he's like, you know, you could chase me and then catch up to me. I'm not throwing any punches. I'm not gonna let you hit me. And, and, and eventually he kind of gets his defenses down and, and, and they're able to communicate more or less. So then Superman wants to find out why Sinmar's here. So he tells, you know, so he opens up the portal to the Phantom Zone so they can leave, and and he tells Sinmar, you know, you can go, and if 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 there's something going on, if you need my help, let me help you. So Superman then decides to go follow this dude, and even Kellex is like, I don't think that's wise because you don't know where you're going, you don't know what's going to be there. If there's no yellow sun, you're going to die. Um, I just don't think it's wise, but. You know, he's Superman and, and he's not going to um, leave anyone in a lurch. He thinks he's doing the right thing. So he gets he gets um, he gets there. Um, and there's no yellow sun. Um, he, he very well um, could be dying. And when. um Sinmar comes back and says that, um, you know, I noticed your, um, your life was dimming when you entered the, the Sinmar solar system. And, um, and now, you know, so, so apparently you're the last of your kind. Um, he's just, he's more of a scientist. He's just trying to get more information. Um, and he says, you know, the fight is over. Between you and I, Sinmar's telling Superman, this is like, without your solar empowerment, there is no fight to pursue. The science hall was correct. Your powers are vastly diminished, as is your intellectual capacity. And Superman's like, I have no idea where we are, why I'm even here. Well, who, are you, who are you? Why did you attack me? I offered you, and, and Sinmar cuts him off and says, I speak for all. I am Sinmar. Your surrender is noted. Superman's like, but I didn't. He says, our entire collective grants and will our entire collective grants and we'll watch your final punishment. And then Superman is just left out there to float in space as the end of the, as the end of number 27. And of course, 28 next month um, is the last issue of this from before future state, at least. So I'm don't know how Superman's getting out of this just yet. Um, it, part of me was reminded of, Marvel's big announcement when they said that when Peter Parker's unmasked and his identity is revealed during Civil War, that this matters. This is going to have long lasting effects. This is going to be huge only for Dr. Strange to kind of wipe everybody's mind. Um, I mean, it still happened. If, if you think about it hard enough, you might remember, but um, you know, they kind of just, erased it such a big moment here we have you know clark kent revealing his identity as superman uh only for this run to end and then you know, we'll find out what happens post future state if any of it was moot or or you know what superman are going to pick up from from there um but i just it bummed me out because it could have been a a a, a storyline that could have had legs and um 
and it doesn't look like that's going to. I mean, if they continue it and they just, you know, they pick up where Bendis left off and wrote that that's cool. Um, but I don't know where things are going. Um, but yeah, just knowing that Superman reveals his identity and then it's gone reminded me of, um, uh, of the events from Civil War. Finally, uh, with Action Comics, is is that run is ending with the, the House of Kent storyline, and that's where um, the Invisible Mafia, Red Cloud, um, Leon, the, the the publisher of uh, the owner of the Daily Planet, um, she's being. Uh, Lois Lane was writing a story on Leon and uh, she's not thrilled about that. There's a whole, it looks like Leon is not from this earth. And, uh, and I, I really enjoyed the seeds that Bendis was planting and, and kind of um, showing us in, in drips and drabs as far as who this person, who this character is, uh, or maybe where she's from. Um, not maybe so much why she has it out for Superman, but um, but the whole concept of you know never saying names, never saying anybody out loud because he can hear you. Um, I thought was pretty slick because I you know I, there was during the burn run there was uh, when Joker shows up in in Metropolis and and he's got three bombs located in the city and Superman will never find them because they're lead lined. So who won't know where they might be. And, you know, if Superman doesn't acquiesce to my demands, I'll blow them up. People will die. And, and the way Byrne wrote it, um, Superman saved the day because he just kind of looked for the biggest voids in the city. And when he saw the three of them, he figured those were the lead lined locations where the bombs were. Um, and they were, and, and here it's, it's to have a bunch of criminals being so, I don't think scares the right word, but obviously they're trying to hide and, and knowing that, you know, if this one, if one word could, cause obviously he's listening. He's listening when someone needs help, listening when someone's in trouble. Um, so if they they figure you know if they keep saying certain words that might um, alert Superman to them to their whereabouts to their their doings. Um, so obviously they have to keep a lid on that. So so Leon was very um, I don't know if formidable is the right word, but but she was she was a threat, and uh, I liked her as a character because she's also very you know I mean she's. She's a older, chubby black woman, and and that's not necessarily someone. You, I mean, you know, you could think of Amanda Waller maybe, but that's not necessarily something that um that that's not necessarily a character that that Superman's going to go toe to toe with physically. Um, but obviously, she's coming at it from a different place than than say Luther or um or Brainiac. Um, so she kind of was a, a different kind of threat. But the House of Kent, uh as as that's all coming to a head now with with her motives motivations becoming clear um red cloud after kind of saving the day during the um 
the Legion of Doom when when they attacked Metropolis and um, the Justice League and Young Justice all got together and and fought them. Red Cloud kind of um, saved Superman, and I think Clark thought maybe he was he got through to her, um, but for some reason she rejected that and and ended up killing uh the fire chief who was a friend of superman and and um and and was running for office and when um when superman finds out that red cloud killed his friend um he ain't too happy especially after thinking you know she was kind of moving away from that mindset obviously that wasn't the case but uh you know you 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 have this kind of parasite from another from, from from another earth on the multiverse um and he is really messing things up um for the l's i mean he's he's um it's it's superman it's connor it's john and john brought brainiac from the future with him uh and supergirl and and so it's it's everybody trying to um fight this Massive parasitic beast. Um, not really going all that well. Um, no, issue 1026 was a little weird because some of it was, um, there were double page spreads, but they were illustrated um, not quite widescreen. You, you almost, almost like a centerfold. You'd have to turn the book 90 degrees. And, and it's just, it's just a really, instead of it being one page, you're reading you're just reading it across across both but it was it's it's Ramita Jr. and and Klaus are trying to to get the scale of the um of the situation across um but yeah this this is the Bendis is is seriously going out with um uh with a bang because 1026 ends with Lois Lane being placed under arrest. Um, I think that that's just to get her separated from Leon. So, so this way FBI agent chase can, um, get to the bottom of, of what exactly is going on. It, it's been, it, it's been a hell of a ride. I really have, um, enjoyed this run. I mean, it, 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 it of course it takes me back to the triangle days, but it takes me back to Burns early run. Um, you know, he didn't quite get to do two years, on the character. Um, it, it just, it, it really, it, there was, there was a time when, I mean, even before new 52, but, but, you know, post, um, post weekly triangle era, when, uh, when you had folks like, um, like Mark Miller writing the character and McGinnis drawing the character, there was, there was a time when I wasn't reading Superman after, after the red and blue. Um, that was kind of when, I wasn't clued in on everything that the character was doing. Um, and this, this kind of, so I like, I've, I've read almost virtually nothing with Manchester Blackett, for example. So this is just one of those things where, um, it, it, Bendis's run has reminded me of, of what I enjoyed with the character. But when, when creators who kind of, it, it, as far as my money is, who has an understanding of, of what makes Superman tick it, following 
following the burn stuff, following Jurgens and Wheezy and Stern. Um, His his Superman is different, just like Burns was different than what came before it, but um, it still picks up where um, where that character, those creators working on the character for me, um, made him tick for me. But yeah, so we'll I'll 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 be back when um, when the final issues of of this run come out and um, see if it ends. As, as strong as I, I felt it started, but um, it's, you know, there there really aren't any quiet moments. It's not like, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot of introspection or um, no, no thinking about how crazy it's been. It's, it's, he's, he's making sure that uh, they're, they're going out fighting and, and um, not slowing down or, or giving you any, any time to breathe, really. It's it's kind of pedal to the metal here, but yeah. So I've it's weird. I, I I'm going. I'm really going to to miss this run. I think, and I'll I'll. I, it might be one of those things where I'll revisit it every so often, like like I do with with the first series of Mage and things like that. That's big doings for you, Boo. Yeah. Yeah. So, question: You you said that he that that Connor brought Brainiac from the future. Is this the same Brainiac that was Brainiac in? Five. Yeah, Brainiac. So, okay, I was gonna say if, if ask if it was the same Brainiac from um, from Super Sons from that little that last little I guess third series that they did. Um, I didn't know if it was the same one or not, but if it's Brainiac Five, I guess that answers the question. You're talking about the Adventures of the Super Sons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I did not read. Oh, did you not? I did not. Um, I know that uh, I've heard I've heard good things about it, um, and I know it's in the the new version of the um, of the Absolute uh, or the Omnibus. But um, no, I didn't. I think I, I I think I everything. I think what I enjoyed about um, Super Sons from the original run mm-hmm. was. Um, I felt that what's what's included in that first omnibus that's that was a good stopping point for me. And then after um, Bendis comes and then he ages John, um, it was silly. I, I I very I'm sure I could have um, just gone ahead and read Adventures without worrying about it. But but I think at the time with everything else I was reading, I didn't I didn't feel the need to kind of go backwards. If you know what I mean. Right to, to to read about you know the earlier younger John when he's still hanging out with Damien and um, in case there's anything that uh, that was missed, um, I mean obviously there's still stories to tell with John at that age, especially hanging out with Damien. Um, I think it's a great concept, uh, and and also partly um, because of one of the creators on it. Um, I, I wasn't, I didn't feel right, um, uh, patronizing the, the series, especially kind of giving it money. No, for sure. Well, it, it doesn't have the same magic. So like, and, and I say that not meaning any disrespect to the, the creators on, on that book, but the, 
the adventures does not have the same magic as the, its predecessor did. So you're not you're not exactly missing a whole lot with that. It's a fun story, and right. it does have some. You know, it, it's got some alternate dimension, like kind of in the Scotty Young vein, baby versions of DC villains characters. But you you don't need it. So so don't feel like you're you're not carrying anything with you. Okay. Okay. Good enough. What you got? Go ahead, Vince. Let's see. What do I have? Well, I do know that Caleb has read one of the books that I was going to go out with. Caleb, you want to talk about Giga, number one? Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Let's do it, boo. This is from Vault Comics, uh, written by Alex Packnadel. Illustrated by John Lay with art by Rosh. It starts with a flashback, and it's really it's a really neat setup. Uh, this young man named Evan, he's confined to a wheelchair. He's got nothing below the knees. Um, aspires to be a member of this religious order that worship massive mechs called the Giga, right? Supposedly, according to their holiest of holy texts, right, um, it's called the Book of Assembly, that these giant machines waged war upon each other. And in the final days of their conflict, they opened themselves up, literally, to humanity. And humans um, live, reside within the bowels of these giant robots. So it's kind of like um, making your home inside of God, because they also worship them as gods. Um, and it's it's a neat little flashback because it, it shows the uh, the emotional mindscape of this this young Evan, because there's a a Monsignor who is pretty high up within the order of the Giga or whatever. It's called, and he's a prick. He's a self self absorbed dick, and and Evans kind of distracted, and the Monsignor said, "Oh, you know, if I can just have your attention for a second, like he 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 busts the kid's balls, uh, because he wasn't glued to every friggin' word coming out of this guy's mouth." So um, he asks Evan why the Giga would allow mankind to share their bodies. And and Evan puts forth a very plausible explanation. Um, he he's like, well, you know, I see it as as if we are um, not unlike beneficial bacteria in our bodies. Like we mm-hmm. we help the Giga, we we keep them um, uh, operating, we keep them uh, you know working from within. So we're we're those things that are coursing through the body of the Giga, and we're, we're just like a support system for them. So why wouldn't they let us in their bodies? And, and you know, as in our world, the devout never seem to favor plausible explanations, right? So this guy, the Monsignor, just dismisses uh, Evan, but things go very, very awry. Uh, big bada-boom, uh, Evan's AWOL friend, Aiko, um is at the, the the center of this explosion and people die uh a giga explodes it's it's not a chill scene by any means 
Uh, so the, the the story then jumps 13 years uh, later, and Evans barely s- scraping by. Like he's he's just subsisting on on what little is thrown his way. Uh, after salvaging discarded technology, uh, he and his friend Mayra they witness a scene that recalls the events of the the flashback. Uh, there's a Giga and it's heavily damaged. It looks like it went kablooey. Um, it's possibly deceased. Uh, the the places the the interior of the gig is just littered with with dead bodies of of human inhabitants, and um, you know we learn some kind of workings of of this world. There's a fringe luddite group that uh, you know called the Dusters that they they shun the gigas and. Uh, that whole religion that sprung up around them. Um, it's hinted that the dusters may be organ harvesters. And, um, but, but Mayra and Evan, you know, they relegate the events of the dead gigabat to the back burner. You don't want to tell anybody about this because it's not good, you know. Um, but it happened. And um, Evan's old friend Mason, we see him in the flashback in the beginning. Um, he's firmly entrenched in the order, right? And he throws some scraps Evan's way, and but Evan has a secret. In in this whole thing, he he's he has sequestered a working AI uh, named Laurel. He's got this robot that 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 lives in his apartment with him, and Laurel's not doing so good, right? <laughs> um, she's having some some cognition problems you know she said something about a squirrel came to visit her and it didn't work out and evan looks on the 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 the, the ledge or whatever it is the, the apartment and the squirrel is like ripped apart you know so laurel can't make a distinction between right and wrong uh and it's because of her parts her parts are are degrading so evan needs um to replace them obviously but she's illegal. He shouldn't have her. Um, and so he scours this local giga for parts to make Laurel better than ever. But once he's inside this mech, um, we are shown, Evan has no idea, but we are shown that the pair are not alone. There's a bunch of dusters um, on their trail. I was intrigued. I thought it was a really strong first issue. Like It gave me everything I needed to know. Um, at first, about this this world, um, elevating technology to godhood is not something that's alien to current society. Right? We all worship our phones. We all genuflect at the altar of the operating system. So uh, it, it's not it's not too far fetched, right? That we would actually choose to live within the bodies of the things that we worship, right? Uh, I thought it was neat. Uh, Caleb, what did you think? Oh, dude, I mean, I I loved this book. Um, so let me let me first start off saying I've switched to straight whiskey now, so anything I say nice. stupid from, from here on out has got to be forgiven because that's the law. Um, well, I need I'm to be forgiven for a lot from last episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, you sounded kind of tipsy there at the end. I was, oh, kind of. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Glad I pulled uh, it off. Oh no, it was it was good. It was good. But no, one of the reasons that I I was look I was hoping you were going to talk about this book, right? For for a couple different reasons. The first of which is because I'm I'm petty and I love it when you 
get on a uh, when, when you talk about religion. Yes. Right? Because there's a, a very educated disdain there, and, and rightfully so. And and I kind of in the same place. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I enjoy it. But but the second part, the second reason I was hoping you're going to talk about this book is because it, it is literally the antithesis. And that's that's not fair. It's not the antithesis. It is it is a black mirror version of the book that I started out talking about at the beginning of the episode. Right. 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 Yeah. It's it's post-apocalyptic, so they have that in common. Um, but where they diverge, one universe is very fast-paced. Um, the the Giga world is is busy. It's explosive. It, it's moving. It's got a lot of texture. Um, whereas the the world in Origins doesn't. It's slower. It's it's more fluid. You don't get a lot to um, to grasp onto. Uh, you you don't know what's happened and, and where anything is going. Um, and so I was hoping you're going to talk about this, this book. Uh, it is, they give you so much in such a little page count. I mean, it's not, it's not a small book by any right, means, right? but it is there. Th- this world is just unveiled in front of you uh, and, and everything from the world's history to the mechanics of, of not only the world, I mean the actual mechanics, but how the, how society works. Like, like every, every word is cherry picked to do just the right job. Right. right. Um, I like and, the, and, the passages from the book of assembly that, that lead you into different passages in the book where we have like literal scripture taken from this book. And it's it's just if the there's a there's a veracity to it there's an authenticity to the book and it's not what you would expect from a, a, a you know it's not Transformers it's not squeaky clean and beautifully delineated it's rough the the art is intentionally rough hewn like there's no there's no rulers and T squares being used to 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 mark out these lines it's all. Yeah, it's 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 really uh, seat of your pants, uh, rough hewn, and that's what I like the most about it. That it's not, um, it's not Mobius behind the pen, right? No, no. But it but it does kind of have that Bond Destiny feel. Right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but it's not like you said. It's everything. And again, I think texture is the right word because because everything is rusty. Everything is is jagged in this world, and it's supposed to be. Yep. Um, I mean, you talk about the the lines from the the text. I mean, there's one one passage that they they give you, and it's pure fucking poetry. Um, like better blood than rust. <laughs> like yep. like that's a tattoo. It's happening next week. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and hmm. I mean, it's it just there. There is so much detail delivered. Uh, in, in a small amount of space, and it's not exactly a wordy book. I mean, no, it, it's I don't not, think so. No, nah, uh, it, it's uh, this is what I love about Vault. Like I've been I've been riding the Vault tip for all, all year, right? They've got some amazing stuff going on, um, and 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 they they kind of come out of left field with some of their their stuff, and you can't you can't sequester their style. Like the, like this story is is nothing like the plot. Right, like this. This is this is completely different, and but it's it's there's something purely magical, um, and studied about the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
that I just, yeah, no, I can't wait to see where this goes. Yeah. Um, it's also something cool. Like, like you mentioned it, the, the main character is he's in a wheelchair. Um, and, and I think it's worth pointing out. They don't spend any time telling you why he's in a wheelchair. Like it, no. it's not like he's in a wheelchair before the explosion. Um, and, and I think that's, that's great. Like there's, there's something about that. Cause that's something that, <laughs> You know, people always get asked when they are, you know, disabled or differently abled, however you're, you want to put it, you know, oh, what happened? And let's spend 15 minutes talking about what might have been the worst moment of your life. Um, and they don't do that in this book. They just like you can see, like you can you can tell what, what's going on with him. Um, and he is very capable. He he does everything is his self. I mean, yeah, sure. He takes a piggyback ride every once in a while from his uh, his robot friend. But he. He is persistent. Yeah, no, he doesn't use his disability as a as a an excuse. Uh, exactly. Yeah. I was just going to say what you just said. The, he hangs on the back of this robot as she crawls up this skyscraper sized giga, and like he's just like, okay, you know, it's like no big deal. You know, if you fall, dude, you're you're dead. If your your grip loosens, you're dead. It doesn't seem to bother him, right? That, that was I, I like that about the character that he's just not like, "Woe is me! I'm in a wheelchair. Help me out!" You know, none of that. He's he's just. It doesn't seem he wakes up at one point in a pool of water, having been robbed, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I got all my organs. I guess I'm okay." Oh, you just got tipped over and robbed. Like <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't see it as as a you know something that he could wear. As an, uh, a badge of, of uh, or just to get to the front of the line, right? No, yeah, no, he, he's a good it's kid. It's just something he lives with every day. And yeah. It's something that he, he, it's just a, at this point, it's a normalized part of his life. And the book treats it that way. Right. Uh, like, which is, is, is nice. It's, it's very yeah. gratifying that it, the disability isn't even seen as a disability. It's cool. What did you think about, because I'm always impressed when books kind of shift gears. Uh, even even if just for a minute, but they they give you a scene in this book where they they go into I I'm not quite sure it's a duster encampment because these yeah. these folks they don't seem like they're luddites um, they don't seem and, and maybe that's the point maybe it's you know you, when when you're looking at opposing sides you know the the opposition is always going to be degraded uh, to be and dehumanized but you get a glimpse of what's happening in this. Uh, organization this this group that is not a part of the the giga society right and they are healing some like somebody's came in and you know busted an artery and blood's going everywhere uh and is probably not going to make it but you get to see that like the a glimpse into this little bitty world of folks who are obviously going to come to come into play down the line right yeah. like they're they, they've got a part of the story but you don't know quite what's going on with them other than the fact that a their the design is different and b they don't seem to be all on the same page right uh well they're definitely not luddites cuz the person that brings the wounded guy into the camp has an exoskeleton so yeah luddites they're not and i'm thinking those things that are hanging around their 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 necks I don't mm-hmm. know what they are. They look like maybe they could be phones or or uh some kind of chips or something. Like it just it just seems like an odd 
arrangement of whatever that is to yeah. all wear it around their neck. Like, what it, what is it about those pieces of whatever they are that makes these people wear them around their neck? So we don't know. We don't know what's going on. Um, and there's the mystery of how did this guy get the way he got? Um, you know, he has information that he's not allowed or he is allowed to tell, but we don't know what that information is. Like, it just seems like this is the, the the one scene that it's just like let's throw this in there um it's part of the big picture but nobody's going to really know what's going on at this point uh there's there's really nothing to 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 latch on to in this so i have no idea what any of this means i'm sure we will in an issue or two right yeah no it's it, it's a hook it's 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 casting a line to draw you into the to the greater world in in the characters that aren't this this main figure which right. is I mean, craft perspective, it's brilliant, right? Like, I mean, that, that's what you should do. But it's just as interesting. Like, I, I want to know what's happening there. I want to know who this med surgeon is who seems like she's out of place and doesn't uh, really accept what's happening around her. Like, she's there's something, there's almost a forced aspect um, to her doing what she's doing. But, I mean, I also want to know, uh, you know, why why certain robots are illegal when robots are gods. Um, I want to know why uh, certain, you you know, in in a world like this, why, I mean, hell classism still exists. I mean, there's, there's so much swirling around the, just, just the idea of this world that is, is fascinating. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really strong first issue. Um, it's one of those so far. It's one of those series that, like, I had to read the first issue three times. Mm-hmm. It, it not that it was it was muddy or or um, unprofessionally presented. It's just like there's so much new in this book that while I'm looking at the art, the story fell by the wayside. And then, uh, you know, second pass, I concentrated on the narrative, and then the art fell by the wayside. So, uh, yeah, I gave it three tries. Um, not because I didn't enjoy it, but because I really wanted to understand what was going on. And, no, I'm glad. this. I mean, this is one of the ones that I did <laughs> actually get in single issues, and I'm so glad I did. Others um, have also recognized the merit in this book because the first printing sold out. Oh, nice. Yeah, so they're on the... I mean, if you want to see what both covers look like, uh, I have put the first and second printing cover in the gallery that accompanies this episode on 11oClockComics.com. There also was a Shogun Warrior pastiche cover. It was the cover, a pastiche of the Shogun Warriors cover for the first issue. And I thought I ordered it, but I didn't. Because when I got it in my... I'm going through the books in my box, I got my books, and I'm like, what the hell? I got the hand <laughs> issue with the tree, and like I didn't order that. Turns out, yeah, I did. So I opted for the deeper discount on the first issue instead of going for the cover that I should have bought. Whatever, I'm glad I got it because this is a, a really neat series. So we we have the same cover because the hand cover with the tree is the one I got, but I got it on purpose. I, I think that uh, I love that the yeah. the mixture between the the nature and the machinery, and now that I know who this character is hanging off the side of it like it's just yeah like i have not been this excited about a second issue for an indie series in a minute like it's it's been a long time well the second printing takes the tree in the hand 
image and puts the cosmos behind it instead of the blue sky with the clouds it's the cosmos so it's nice yeah it's really cool really cool so there you go all right yikes i didn't think we'd go this long but we have (laughs) well we got in your travels to, okay. to, to cover so we might as well hey everybody if you want to get your books get them fast get them delivered right to your door where do you go tell them discount comic book service right discount comic book service only don't whisper it get on top of the roof of your house <laughs> and scream <laughs> it yes discount comic book service dcbservice.com gets your books get them fast get them delivered right to your door from ahoy comics wrong earth night and day number one Two dollars and nineteen cents. Our buddy Zach Crusay, he's big in the world now because he wrote a book, and it's from the University Press of Mississippi. The Mysterious Traveler, Steve Ditko, and the Search for a New Liberal Identity. Twenty-one dollars worth every friggin' penny. And last but certainly not least, Brandon Graham, Rain Like Hammers, number one, two dollars and forty-nine cents. That's half off. In your travels, we're gonna do. A vault orama because I'm going to implore you to read Devil's Red Bride, number one from Vault Comics, written by Sebastian Gurner, art by the great John Bivens, with color art by Iris Monahan. The setup is a lot like Giga, yet it starts with a flashback. There's a, a Aragami clan of um, samurai. And the eldest son of the Aragami clan, his name is Isanosuke. He's the chosen one. He's the eldest son. He's got to pick up the reins and fight for the clan as the samurai. And Isanosuke's anything but a warrior. He's not very good at it. Uh, Doesn't want to do it. Has no interest in it. Uh, But his sister... Ketsuko does. And uh, what Ketsuko does is she takes Isanosuke's place on the battlefield. There's this um, rival clan called the Kamimura. And they're in battle with the Aragami clan. And it doesn't look good for the Aragami. Shit's going south really quick. Um, People are dying. And this is the young Lord Aragami's first battle. The, even the warriors under his command are very skeptical that it will turn out in their favor. But wouldn't you know, barreling out of nowhere, riding a steed with this red devil mask on and red samurai armor, comes uh, Isanosuke. And he's just amazing on the battlefield. He leads an ambush against the Kamimura, and the tide of battle is turned, and the the uh, Aragami win, but guess what? It's not Isanosuke. It's his sister, Ketsuko. That's the flashback. Um, So it goes three years later, um, Ketsuko kills a ronin. This dickhead, womanizing asshole runs his mouth off the wrong time. Ketsuko kills him. But he had a job that he had bonded himself to. And now, because Ketsuko killed him, she has to save face and her honor by finishing the job that this 
Ronan was tasked with. And what was he going to do? Well, he was going to escort the survivors of the Matsuka clan in a last-ditch attempt to rid the world of the Kamamura clan. So it all comes back, baby. All that, that, that struggle. And the, the, the Aragami clan was whittled down to one. There's one survivor of the Aragami clan. And who do you think it is? Right? Ketsuko. So now she's got to make good, try to help these, the, these people across the mountain to extinguish this Kamamura clan. This is a great book. Uh, the uh, Bivens' art, yikes, it's so good. Little bit Frank Miller, little bit uh, uh, mm-hmm. Walt, Walt Simonson. It's, uh, it's a period piece, so it, it's, it, it's violent, it's bloody, it's just great. Um, I adored it. Uh, would you get a woman who has to step up because her dickheaded brother can't toe the line? Like, that's just empowerment. I love it. This is, this, these are the books we need. She, you know, to show that this lady can do what, I don't want to call him a needle dick, but, but, but her brother just couldn't do it. And now she's got to make good on that promise to extinguish this, this Kamimura clan. It's awesome. Go get it. Devil's Red Bride, number one. I heard it's doing very well as well. Preach. Yeah. Good stuff. That's I'm awesome. surprised by Vault. I should, not, not, not like surprised like, oh, somebody's making good books, but somebody's making consistently good books across the breadth of the publishing line. Like, oh, dude, I, the, the plot, autumnal, like, the, like just across the board. Right. That's I, what I'm I, I, like. I how do you do that? Them. How do you, how do you step in? In the Sticky Brown stuff, every book. I don't know. They seem to have a recipe for success. So my my radar is very much attuned to Vault Comics. Attuned. Attuned. Luna Lana. <laughs> um, your Travis, what do I have? Uh, All right. I'll throw this out there. Um. We talked about the first issue. I'm not going to go into too much detail on the second one here. Um, except to say that if you got to the end of Rorschach number one, and even though we talked about it, and um, mentioned how my man looked an awful lot like Steve Ditko. Um, that uh, Myerson Studio also has a framed photo of, of Ayn Rand on the wall. So um, the hints keep coming. The, um, the, the second issue is pretty much um, not quite a one-act play where you're just in one scene, the um, our detective goes to uh, goes to Marston's apartment to get more information on the man who attempted to assassinate um, the next president, and um, and to get some, some more information on on Marston and the accomplice. Um, so while there, he's talking to some people, interviewing some some of the residents in uh, in the apartment. 
we find out that um, Myerson's kind of awkward around women. Um, goes on a date with a young lady. Uh, doesn't go well. Young lady ends up meeting someone more like a jock, marrying him. And um, and Carl's a bit of an asshole. She she told Carl that that Myerson you know, tried to put the moves on her. They have a good laugh at his expense. Um, and there's also some some original art. Um, the detective finds Myerson's files and 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 um, goes through one of. Uh, one of the issues of, um, or one of the stories from, from one of the issues of, uh, of Myerson's story. Um, but I just, as much as I enjoyed the first issue, I think I really enjoyed the second, um, a bit more. If, if this is, if this is setting the tone for what we can kind of expect, uh, as far as the investigation, as far as getting to the bottom of things, uh, I, I, I'm here for it. I really, um, it's, there's, there's some weight to this story. There's some meat on the bones here. There, there's absolutely, uh, cause I finished it and I, I, I didn't feel, I'm not gonna say, I didn't feel dirty, but it definitely stuck with me. It, 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 it left its mark, I think. And, and, um, and it's only the second issue and it's not like, it's not like there's a ton that goes on in it, but it's just the way, the way Tom is telling this story. Um, and, and how this detective works. It's, it, it's, it's for me, it, 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 it's unlike, other things Tom has written. Uh, it, it, it doesn't feel like, doesn't feel like Sheriff, doesn't feel like Mr. Miracle. Um, it's, it's in the Watchmen universe, but it, he's just kind of doing his, his own thing with it. And, and it's, it's because it just takes place here in this, in this apartment building as, as he, as questions are being asked. Um, you, know, you may think that that's not it, it it's not a filler issue by any means there's still there's things that happen in in this issue as far as trying to under it, that, that's the thing he fleshes out somebody who who died in the first issue and and we get more information about this person and it it's that's just just how that comes about and how it it reminds me of of the old Noir movies where you're seeing uh, Sam Spade or Nick Charles or anybody trying to asking questions to get to the bottom of a case, um, try to find out who done it and and why people are the way they are. It just it it reminded me of that. Uh, it it's um it really was a uh, a solid second issue. I we enjoyed the first. I, I think I speak for all of us. We enjoyed the first, but I I really 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 like the second issue a lot so in your travels uh keep on reading rorschach word it's hard to it's hard to follow that because tom's on some next level shit um as a writer uh but i will do my best so um 
in your travels, I'm going to take advantage of this moment. Uh, but as I always do, um, in your travels, if you find yourself in possession of a little extra Skrilla, some some scratch that you want to donate to a good cause, or uh, you know you just want to look into how something works and and replicate it in your own neighborhood, um, I volunteer and work with a nonprofit organization here in Little Rock called The Van. Um, and you guys have heard me talk about it here on the show before, but in case anybody is new, which I'm, I'm sure there are, um, essentially what we do is we literally we, we, we take donations from the community, clothes, pants, shoes, boots, hygiene stuff, things you need to make it from one day to the next. Um, and we put it in a little white van um, and <laughs> in a non creepy way. We drive around and we find folks who live outside, folks who are who are unsheltered, who are experiencing homelessness, and we give it to them. We we don't we don't charge. We don't ask for an ID. We we you know we're not an evangelical organization. We're not trying to convert anybody. Um, we we work with folks we, we love. We work with folks that are difficult. We we don't care. We have no rules. Just help. Um, so go to www.itsthevan.org, and you can see more about what we're doing. Um, and if if like I said, if you want to donate, awesome. If you want to, if you've got stuff you want to send us, if you want to jump on our Amazon wish list and and make sure we have stuff that we need, great. But about the best thing that you can do. Um, if you are in another area is look at the way we're doing things and what we're doing things and replicate it. You don't got to give us any credit. We, we don't need it. Um, but you know, if you, if you could clean out your closet, take your extra stuff, uh, stuff to folks who stay outside and give it to them and, and don't charge them, you know, strike up a conversation, maybe make a new friend. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe just give them what they need and walk away. It doesn't, doesn't matter. However you choose to address it and to approach the, the situation is up to you, but um, it, it's it's an opportunity that we can all take advantage of uh, to kind of make this world a better place and and to make life a little bit easier for some folks who are experiencing really hard times uh, and if nothing else, extend them a little bit of dignity, which is I, I think is is at the at the bare minimum what we all should expect and demand of life is to be able to make it from this world to whatever is after, after this with a little bit of, of dignity um, from, from ourselves and from our neighbors. So, so go check that out. And, and this community has been amazing in embracing that. And, and by this community, I mean, obviously EOC, uh, you know, Stephen Wooder set up a, a, a fund to, to make sure we, we benefited last year. Um, it's, it's, it, you know, I know, I know it's a, thing that we all joke about but literally has brought in, has brought a tear to my eye more than once um it, it means so much um and now that that part's out of the way um in your travels uh you're gonna try to try to fill some some woodrow shoes just because he's not here but he always promotes these things um the black hammer universe is amazing we all know it we all love it uh we we have steeped ourselves in it um and it continues to grow and expand in ways that I have no idea if Jeff Lemire envisioned or imagined that it would when he uh, he first uh, kicked things off. But last week, um, should you have made it to your local comic shop or, or you know you found it on discountcomicbookservice.com, you would have seen a new uh, iteration of that series um, on the the proverbial shelf, if not the real shelf, and that is Barbarian or Barbalian, the Red Planet. Number one, written by Jeff Lemire, 
uh, and Tate Bromble, uh, drawn by the great Gabriel Hernandez Walta, with colors by Jordi Belair. Um, speaking of Tom King, we've seen those folks together, uh, with letters by Aditya Bidikar. Um, this book, without giving too much away, uh, you know, just just a little bit of love to it, um, takes a look at Barbalian, who is some he is a mixture uh, as most of Lemire's characters in the Black Hammer universe are uh, he is a homage to other comic characters other pop culture figures uh, and he is somewhere in the middle of uh, Martian Manhunter and John Carter of Mars and if you know if you love the pulps the way that I know Vince loves the pulps the way that I love the pulps uh, that that Dap loves the pulps uh, then then that that alone ought to uh, pique your interest but um this character Barbalian uh, comes from, of course, of course, Mars, but he he's kind of the reverse of John Carter. He comes from there and comes to here uh, for a short period of time, and he's got a lot of secrets. Not only is he a a superhero on Earth, uh, you know, with not not just one but but two secret identities. Um, he he leaves a world being Mars where. Um, where he is not accepted for being himself. He, he is, he is their version of, of queer, of gay. Uh, and, and again, in the, in a world of shapeshifters, what does that even mean? Uh, it's a whole new level of, uh, thinking involved with it. But anyway, he's shunned and he's, uh, he, he leaves that planet and he comes to earth and he takes, uh, he takes on a secret identity. He's a, he's a cop. Um, except he doesn't come to our times, uh, he lands on Earth in the in in about 1986 when, um, at least in in the United States and and a lot of places throughout the world, the AIDS epidemic was ravaging um, communities all across the board, but especially the gay community, um, the LGBTQ community was, as everybody knows, was primarily and just just broken by that disease. By that virus, uh, and so he he lands about the middle of when Reagan's just kind of doing nothing about it, and he is uh, watching protesters. He's watching some of these young gay protesters in the eighties um, call attention to it uh, and, and really call out things that should have been brought to the light and brought to attention across the board. Um, and it puts him in a weird spot, right? Like he is. He's a member of that community. He knows that community. He knows what it's like to be in those shoes. Um, but he's also a police officer. Uh, he, he's a cop. He is um, called to actively oppress these people uh, that he should be in joined with, that he, he should empathize with, that he should, you know, he, he should understand what they're going through. And and he doesn't know how to to work that and accept that. Well, he, he meets a young figure who is a, a gay rights activist who is uh, kind of front and center of this movement um, and kind of starts to follow him a little bit, see where he's going. Uh, and uh, the story is going to go on from there. But uh, I mean, I mean, it, 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 I was going to love this story anyway. Like I, I have not read one of these black hammer universes, uh, black hammer universe stories that I have not uh, really, really enjoyed. This one hits really close to home. Um, the, the historical aspect of it is pretty on point. And if you know anything about that area era of time, uh, it, it'll, it'll make you feel some kind of way. Uh, at least it did for me. Um, plus you get to look at 
you get to look at Gabriel Hernandez, Walter, and Jordy Belair uh, back together again. Um, the, and and I don't know that we've seen them since the vision. Uh, so you know that 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 alone speaks to what the book looks like. So Barbalian Red Planet, go check it out in your travels. And uh, if I can be just real liberal uh, here, uh, if you have enjoyed this, go listen to Southern Fried Geekery podcast. Wow, you don't even have to ask. Man. <laughs> Look, sh- I'm, I'm in your house. I'm taking my shoes off before I step on the floor. Yeah, you don't have to. That's fine, man. You should go listen to it because it's awesome. And uh, you're awesome for listening to this because if you want more of it, there's a bunch of places you can maybe go. That's Instagram, Twitter, Reddit, and Facebook. Lots of presence there. You could check out our Patreon page. I lied. I got to give you the URL one more time. Patreon.com forward slash 110C, no apostrophe, 11 o'clock comics. Check it out. Uh, lots going on there. Jason's doing some kind of Advent thing where he, he invades your brain every day. Uh, did that start yet? No, I think it's for December. December, right, because that would make sense, right? What with Advent <laughs> in December. Uh, <laughs> uh, and in the meantime, you know the drill. I just want to say... I was playing with something as y'all were talking. Um, did any of you have any of the Mezits, the Mezco little Mezit finger, uh, figures? None? No. no. They are the most shoddily constructive, constructive pieces of crap ever. I got the uh, Abe Sapien two-pack with I forget his name, this Samuel or whatever, the the monster. And I was just moving the arm just the way, you know, like just lightly, but the way the little arm joint is constructed, the ball joint broke off in the arm and now I'm stuck with nothing. I'm pissed. Damn. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. It does suck. It's just a really bad construction. I mean the Abe Sapien's fine. But I didn't play with him at all, but because I always go for the creature, right? You know, whatever. But the ball joint is now, the ball is now broken off in the shoulder of the arm. And I got this little tiny peg sticking out. And now I don't know what to do. Super glue? I don't know. But, sorry. In the meantime, screw you, Mezzets. Say goodnight. That's a Christmas tune. It is the season. It is the season. I'll tell you one thing. Hallmark is the work of the motherfucking devil. Because I don't have a soul. And if me without a soul can be enthralled by these stupid Hallmark movies, what is going on? It's not right. But anyway, David. (laughs) I have a a theory. If you witness... There you go. If you witness the first five minutes of a Hallmark movie... Regardless of the fact you have a soul or not, you're done. You have to watch it to the end. Because you have to see if Santa's granddaughter falls in love and saves the tree farm. You have to see it. it so uh, here, here's how I battle that. I just don't start watching the home. Exactly. But when you have, I have a 23-year-old. Who, David. Thank you. I have a, you're nice. right, right on the money. I have a 23-year-old who loves the hallmark my my son my 16 year old he'll do anything for christmas so the the hallmark channel is never never leaves our tv i've seen ad executives uh divorcees 
um, Santa's niece, Santa's granddaughter. Uh, I've seen, you know, Tree Farm, got to save that, got to save the town, got to save the, 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 the local Christmas store. Like, there's just iterations on a theme, right? But if you see that first five minutes, you're dead. You're completely doomed. Yeah, I just I I can't. I, this is not my holiday. The only thing I like about this holiday, and in shout out to Flip a Dippa because we agree on this one thing, is that those little holiday Christmas trees from Little Debbie are the shit. Like I love. Oh, they're Christmas. really good. Yeah. No, I'm not them. a fan of Christmas either. Uh, at least heathens. At least not on the surface. Like screw the music. I, I, my son plays it all the time, and I'm like, stop. It's mine. Oh, Vinny Beats got Christmas hits. He loves the Christmas music. I have my own um, take on these Christmas songs. Like Holly Jolly Christmas, the second line is cram it up your ass. I love to, <laughs> to pervert the Christmas music. But he has a genuine affection for Christmas. So it's kind of hard not to get sucked into that oh, yeah. enthusiasm. you know. But basically, I don't, care. I don't care for Christmas either way. You know what I mean? I like the. That. The hubs is the hubs is about it, about it. It's it's hard to see somebody get that excited about anything though, and not not dive in a little bit. So, right, 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 right. And I, I, who, I'm, I'm not the, the Scrooge Christmas special though. Oh man, he's he's God bless him. Um, I don't believe in God either, but I'll say God bless him. Like, isn't that weird? It, it's hypocritical. But uh, I'm 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 glad to see the world through his eyes where everything is fun during Christmas and everything is magical. Great. That's, that's awesome. He thinks he's getting a car for Christmas. <laughs> oh, <shit>. yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bud, but whatever. Hot uh, well, I could do that. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Cruel, unusual. But, uh, so, I mean, I, I think everyone out there should have a wonderful holiday. Uh, start right now, live it up. We'll be here for you. Uh, we'll be coming back in what? Two days. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So you're not done with us yet. Or we're not done with you. So go have your fun. We love you. Come back in a couple of days. We'll be here with some kind of beverage and a sandwich. Um, thank you, Caleb, for your very astute and informative takes on all the books we talked about. We love you so much. Come back anytime you want to. Uh, anytime you ask, I'm here. Yeah, I mean, I'm right. not Tony, but... Well, I mean, you're just we're, yeah. Well, who is Tony really? No, nobody. Yeah, Tony's a Tony's special dude. Please, man. Yeah, he's a special dude. But Love you're it. not inferior to Tony. You're just different, right? Whatever. Uh, all you're welcome at the EOC table. So belly up, let's eat, and we'll be back in two days. Love you. Aw, yeah, that's sweet. I know. I feel the love. I also feel the whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That's it for that one.